Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Evan Roberts Tiki Barber It's Evan and Tiki on WFAN The Fan 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app Super Bowl week. How the hell's everybody feeling? Busy, busy show today. We're 24 hours away from Sean Morash announcing his big show decision at 4 o'clock tomorrow, which I am looking forward to. We got a lot to get to today. I know. Talk some football, talk a little baseball, talk a little Tiki Barber life. <laughs> but we got to start with something that I think stopped New York City last night and made everybody a tad nervous. It was a ho hum night in basketball. The Nets suck. The Knicks are beating the crap out of the G League Memphis Grizzlies who are banged up. And then all of a sudden, with a 20-point lead and eight minutes to go, Tom Thibodeau said, you know what? Nah, I don't feel comfortable. I have Deuce. I've got the big ragu. I got Josh Hart. I got Precious. I got Taj on the floor. But I got to make a couple changes. I'm up 20, eight minutes to go. I make two changes. I'm going to bring iHeart back in, and I'm going to bring Jalen back in. And all of a sudden, that lead starts to go down just a little bit more. And then all of a sudden, Jalen slips, gets back up, and then Jalen Brunson clearly injures his ankle. And you could feel Madison Square Garden go silent, Mm -hmm. and you could feel this city go silent. Yep. Because as I told you last Friday, New York City made a decision. They moved Jalen Brunson up above Aaron Judge as the king of New York. So our king was laying on the ground in pain. And Nick fans and New York City as a whole were like, oh, now, Knicks end up holding on. They win the game. They don't blow it. And it seems like this isn't going to be bad. Yeah. It seems like Jalen's going to be okay. But we don't honestly know because we don't know about Julius. We don't know about OG. And I can feel it as an IBO watching this moment, that there were going to be Nick fans that said, do you know who I blame for this? Mm. Not the basketball gods, not Evan being a mush, but I blame Tom Thibodeau. Yeah, so here's the thing. I've had this, like, up and down feeling with Tom Thibodeau. Like, I hate the dude. I love the dude. You're grinding these guys too much. The grinding's good for you. It's old school. There was a moment where it felt like he had no control over this roster. Remember Julius Randle from a couple of years ago? By and large, I've started to buy into what he's been preaching, especially because the results have started to show. But there's something that 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 you need in order to win an NBA championship, and ultimately that's what we're look that's what we're talking about, right? If if Julius Randle and 
OG Ananobi and now Jalen Brunson are hurt and too banged up to play worth any any you know any worth in the postseason. It's going to be because they got beat up. But to win a championship, look at the last ones. The Denver Nuggets, superstar, top five player, right? Golden State Warriors. Look at you speaking my language. (laughs) I'm just saying, top five player. Milwaukee Bucks, top five player. Hell, the MVP. The LA Lakers, he may be a little bit washed, and I know it was the pandemic year, but LeBron, top five player. Kawhi Leonard, top five player. Steph Curry, Kevin Durant. You can keep going, keep going, keep going. The Knicks don't have one yet, but you know who was working his way towards being there? It was Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson is not in the MVP conversation yet, but if he kept hitting 30-plus 30, 30 points a night and eight assists and whatever you know uh, success ratio he, you want to throw out there for why he was helping the Knicks win, he was trending towards being that player. But Tom Thibodeau, who is stuck in his ways on, I'm only going to play these seven guys, and maybe this eighth guy will get it's 35 seconds, right? I'm going to play these guys 43 minutes a night. I'm going to I'm going to grind them because that's what we need to do to win. It's great until something like this happens. Until Jalen Brunson gets hurt. And again, you're right, Evan. It's probably minor. But is he playing on Thursday against the Dallas Mavericks? Well, do you blame Tom you know, Thibodeau you know, for him getting hurt last night? Should I, he not have been out there? No, but I I blame Tom Thibodeau for not doing what every other coach in the NBA does, which is help your stars be at their best for most of the seasons. Not every game, but most of the season. He grinds these dudes. And look, in his defense, maybe Julius Randle wants to go grind. Maybe Jalen Brunson wants to go grind. But sometimes, Evan, you have to protect those guys, your star who's trending towards being a top-five player, which means that you can win a championship from themselves. And that's what I blame him for, not protecting his best players, players, I should add, from themselves. And it's frustrating because but, but what it's been so Should he long. not have played last night well, when they're up 20 with eight minutes to go? Because, by the way, if that's your – should he not have been reinserted? But here's the thing. what Forget if, forget last night. Wasn't this inevitable? Wasn't, wasn't Julius Randle getting hurt and now Jalen Brunson getting hurt? We've been talking about it. And I know they're not tops in the league in minutes, but they grind, man. They play every night. So let me give you this. Jalen Brunson's 11th in minutes per game. Julius is like 16th. But – Unlike a few of those guys in the top 10 who play more minutes per game, like let's say a Kevin Durant, yeah. they play every single game. Every single game. I acknowledge game. that. They play every single game. But is that why they got hurt? I, no, I don't. I mean, I played sports. Well, so they I know. get hurt because guess what? We live in a city of losers, and we're going to find ways for bad crap to happen. But is it just the basketball gods' fault, is it, or is, is it Tom Thibodeau's fault? Why is it that every week, and I don't want to be the – well, this is just the Knicks' bad luck, right? The gods, the basketball gods hate well, us. Well, what else? That's is why. It? That's why they hurt Ju- the gods, not 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 Thibodeau. The gods hurt Julius Randle. The gods hurt OG on Ananobi. The gods now hurt Jalen Brunson. We can't have anything good. That's what the Knicks fan is thinking. But in so, in the back of my mind, I can't help but say, Tibbs, man, like. Protect your guys from themselves. What do you themselves. want them to do? What do you want them to so, wrap them up in bubble you, wrap? You have been so dominant. It's like when you're riding a winning streak and you're like, yeah, money. Daddy can't lose. Daddy can't lose. And you just keep going after it. 16 and 3. I get to play in the OG era. 16 and 3. Yeah. You don't got to be a Gavone and take every win. 
Okay, so if this was falling away from you, I'm just saying, if it was falling away from you, and again, it was last night was it was it was ugly, and then it was it was great. No, first it was great, and then it was ugly, and then it was like all right, salvage, and Dante comes in and saves the day, and it's a good it's a good win. But is it really because you lost Jalen Brunson? But why did they lose Jalen Brunson? Like I hate to be the guy that says it's just bad luck and it's the basketball gods and woe is me. But guess what? A lot of times when guys get hurt. That's the only answer I could come up with. Bad luck with your three best players? Dude, I'm I'm sorry. Like, I can't blame Tom okay, Thibodeau one, for this. One, maybe it's bad luck. Two, possibly it's a coincidence. Three, it's got to be something else. Well, what is it? It's, it's, it's the grind. So man. you want Tom Thibodeau to basically take his players and wrap them in bubble wrap? No, like, not there's wrap games them in bubble to wrap. be won. Yeah, not wrap them in bubble wrap. Then do what? But understand that it is not about being... You know, fifty-five and whatever the numbers work out. To me, I agree right? with that. It's you're, not about that. You're it's playing about, the long game. It's a, you have to play the long game because that's what it feels like. The Knicks are on the verge of finally being able to do play the long game. It's not like oh, we got to grind, we got to grind. Oh, damn, we fall into the eight seed. Oh God, we got to play this plan turn. Oh God, it, it, the Knicks feel like they're they're not fully past it, but they're they're inching past that. Yeah, yeah. right. That they are a top four team in the East. And that they all they need to do is win the games that they're supposed to win, you know, play hard and steal some others that maybe they shouldn't, get to the postseason, be playing their best basketball, and then go and then go ball. Yeah. And and right now it feels like all they're doing is just grinding, 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 grinding. And then eventually someone gets hurt. So so last night, and I'm watching this game because I was disgusted by what I was watching in Brooklyn on a lot of levels. The Knicks are beating the ass of the Memphis Grizzlies. And rightfully so. <laughs> yeah. The Memphis Grizzlies are playing three NBA players. Literally, yeah. that's what they had on the floor. And the Knicks are whipping their ass all night long. And then all of a sudden the lead gets cut mm-hmm. to 20. With eight minutes to go. And when they come back from commercial break, much like everybody else who's watching on TV, we're barely paying attention to the game. We're paying attention to the great tributes to Mike Breen and Walt Clyde Frazier. Who, by the way, I have the ultimate respect for. Congratulations to Mike Breen. Congratulations to Walt Clyde Frazier. Quarter century. Amazing. And here's the ultimate compliment I'll give both gentlemen. I can't stand the team you call, but I've never had an issue with you. And you never anger me because you're such professionals and you do a great job. And entertaining. And they're damn entertaining. (laughs) So as they're being celebrated, Jalen rechecks in. Now, I get it. The Grizzlies have no NBA players. But if he doesn't recheck in then, the Grizzlies still make a run even with Jalen on the floor. They get it to eight. That's when Jalen gets hurt. At what point are you going to say, hey, you know what? Let's not F around anymore. Yeah. Let's make sure we win this game. Let's put our best player in. Like, at some point, but did it, it, you put your foot right, on them and you beat I them. I don't want to be revisionist. I don't. But did it help? The answer is no. Did it help? They won the game. I know, but they didn't win the game because Jalen Brunson. He Not gets, at all. He get hurt. I, he, they won the game because Dante DiVincenzo, yeah. who has a who has a title, you know, in his early days and basically rode the bench, but learned from great people, including out in in in, in uh, Golden State. He comes here because he wants to be here. He wants to be in the system and. He's thriving in the nah, role. The big Ragu hit big shots last night. Nothing but love for Ragu. Yes, and that's why they won. And it wasn't because I, but, Jalen Brunson I, came back into you, the game. You're right, but in the moment, what are you supposed to do? Like, I know you hate this as a former athlete, but I'll be honest with you: the Nick injuries—it's just bad luck. I know that sucks. 
And you almost look at the sky and say, why me? Why us? By the way, Nick fans, I can relate to you on that. But how do you In so to... many ways, but, I can relate but, to you on that. But it's nobody's fault. But luck is... It I, wasn't, I, it right, wasn't luck, Tom Thibodeau's luck, fault. To me, luck is... I, I, luck is what... I don't. I can't even like describe luck. But we have this conversation luck. about my kid, right? And how, she, and how she said, "Oh, it's my lucky shoes." It's not lucky shoes. Why Jalen Brunson get su- her last you're night? You're successful because you work your ass. Why off, did Jalen right? Brunson get hurt the last Knicks, night? Teak? The Knicks are successful because they work their ass. I agree, off, but they get fatigued and they get hurt because they also work did, their ass. Did he off. get hurt because he works his ass off? I don't know. You I tell me. I, I mean, I you're the athlete. Like, did, did he turn his ankle because he plays a lot? Look, I never played a sport where I had to play every day. I, I we played once a week. And trust me, by like Thursday of week 14, it's like, all right, coach, you want me to give it to you on Sunday or do you want it on Thursday? And he had chose for Sunday. Mm-hmm. So Sunday is when I went hard. And so I don't I don't know what the like the physicality of playing basketball and jumping and changing directions and you know crossing over and playing defense. All those I don't know the stresses that it puts on your body, but I know that if you do it. Anything for that many days in a row. I think about it now, just me working out. If I work out and squat three or four days in a row, my knees start to hurt, man. My ankles start to get sore. I got to sit down, get a massage, deep tissue, right? <laughs> All those things. Hand and stone come my way, right? All that stuff is 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 about taking care of your body. But eventually, your body just fatigues, right? It just you need. So a what do you break. want? You want maintenance stage? Are we gonna yeah. call you maintenance stage, Tiki? Yeah. Really? The Denver Nuggets do that. Oh, come the on. Golden State Warriors do that. Jalen Brunson doesn't want to do Milwaukee, it. The Milwaukee save your player. You got an All Star break in a week and a half. He'll maintenance for a save. week while he plays in that exhibition. <laughs> Okay, is he even playing in the game? Now? We'll see. Because he got hurt, <laughs> right? Is Julius playing in the game? No, he's definitely not. Right. So, like, you have to. You have to. It's part of the job, like protecting your players from themselves. And, I, and I get and I love what Tibbs is doing. And while it's happening, you're like, hell yeah, this is so old school. Play every damn day. Do it that way. But eventually when something like this happens, it's hard for me to chalk it up to life. I think that Tom Thibodeau is a coach I look at, and I wonder come playoff time, can he win the big one? I think that is a fair critique of him. And for every Nick fan that likes to shoot down Glenn Rivers, you can easily look at Tom Thibodeau's postseason resume and say, what about him? Yeah. So if we're talking big picture postseason adjustments, I may be with you. But the one area of Tom Thibodeau's slander that I am going to stand up against, and a little did I know you would be the guy I'm standing up against to it, is this idea that's been out there for a while that he grinds his guys down, he plays them too many big minutes, and anytime someone gets hurt, it's his fault. I can't go down that road. Last night, Tom Thibodeau's coaching a basketball game, mm-hmm. okay? And with eight minutes to go up by 20, he wants to make sure he wins that basketball game. And so his best players on the floor. At the expense of losing your... You don't know he was going to get hurt, at though. At the expense of your best player? So it should he matter. not have played? Should he not have been reinserted? Like, what are the rules around this You're now? Up 20. So what? If it's 10, you can bring him back in? I, I don't... Does it, does it matter that much? What what, like, winning, what what happens if they lose this game last night? We'd be to the killing them today. Would we? Yeah, they would, lost to a G League team. Would we be killing them? Yes. They also lost to a 500 Laker team, which is not very good. But they got very rested because LeBron and AD took the night off. Very Boston different. And still lost that game. It's by. very different. If they right. blew that game last night against the Memphis Grizzlies, who were playing three NBA players, and they had a 27-point lead, we'd be killing them. But it's basketball, but what's man. The, it's an 82-game season. But, Jake, what's the answer to it? Like, how do You're you make hurt. the decisions on when not to play a guy? Jalen Brunson wasn't hurt until he was hurt. 
I know that's a simple statement, but it's true. He didn't get hurt till he got hurt. And it happens. And it sucks. And seriously, for anyone who thinks I'm just a Nick Hater, I don't want guys getting hurt. I wasn't sitting there last night rooting for that. And I also know that sometimes injuries just suck and they just happen. And there's no answer for why. And last night when Jalen Brunson went down, there's no answer for why. There's no answer for why Julius Randle injured his shoulder. The only thing you could do is hope to the hell, hope to the heavens, not the hell, hope to the (laughs) basketball heavens that they'll be okay because you're going nowhere without them. But to pin this on the coach it's not fair. Well, whose fault is it then? Nobody. It's luck. It's the perspiration that was on the court that made him slip and lose his balance and, and unstable his ankle. So when he fell and twisted it, he's out for however long he's going to be out. Whose fault is Why it? Why does it have to be someone's fault? I, Why can't it just suck? Like, literally, sometimes things happen in this world, and we can't blame anybody. It just happens. And I hope to God, for you guys' sake, he's okay. And he only misses a day or two, or a game or two. Mm -hmm. Now, here's where I will agree with you, by the way, on missing a game or two. I don't give a rat's ass how good Jalen Brunson thinks his ankle feels. I don't care how excited he is to promote his new podcast with Josh Hart, roommates that comes out tomorrow. I don't care. <laughs> or play in the game against the Dallas Mavericks. Which I get. You want to st- got drafted to and started. You want to stick it to your former team. And trust me, after last night, I think I want to see you guys stick it to them. With that said, I'll agree with you on this. You save him from himself tomorrow night. He don't play tomorrow night. And if that's a schedule loss, that's a schedule loss. That's where I, that's where I would say I agree with you. Because he is hurt now. Mm-hmm. And you've got to be smart. And maybe the smart approach is, hey, Jalen, you're not playing to the All-Star break. And maybe the smart approach is, as much as this will hurt him, you tell him, you're not playing in the All-Star game, period. And I know that would hurt. And I know that would suck. But, yes, that's where I would say I'm going to protect him from himself. But he wasn't hurt until he was hurt. Yes. And I can't, as an NBA fan, say, well, you got to protect him from the possibility he's going to get hurt. <laughs> You got to rest your guys. It could have happened any day. And and again, I'm not killing Tom Thibodeau here, but I am saying this is this is something that a lot of fans have been talking about for I agree. a while. They have. Now, a lot of analysts have been talking about for a while. Now, the grind, the lack of maintenance. They're wrong days. by the way. They could Are talk they? about it all day. Yeah, I think the Thibodeau slander has been misguided for a while now. It's based on an old reputation. Like I just don't think it's fair. Now, Lugie, I know this is uncomfortable for you because it's rare that I'm the face with Nick fans, that I'm on their side. Mm -hmm. And I know siding with me is never something that makes you feel comfortable. Let's go, Nick. Yeah, no, I'm uncomfortable. So you want to just say I'm wrong in that? Tom no, Thibodeau I actually, I actually agree with Evan on this because I think what's turned the Knicks around is having that winning culture. I don't want to create a culture here where there's maintenance days where guys are taking time off in the fourth quarter. They don't want to play. What I love about this team, I think what Nick fans love about but this team. I don't team, think you need to worry about that. They're always going to want to play. Uh, the NBA has a lot of teams where there's guys that don't want to play, including that. the Lakers. I'm the team you just brought about up, the Knicks. I'm talking about Jalen Brunson. But if you create I'm that atmosphere, about Julius Randle. Yeah, but if you create an atmosphere, always want to play. I, OG, he's gonna want to play. Why? Because OG's trying to get paid. So let him play. Is my thing. Win the games because the Knicks are not in a position right now. They have to get the best seed possible. They have to keep the train rolling. They have to win games. If a guy gets hurt, he gets hurt. And then they get to the postseason, and then they run out of gas. I understand that, but you know what? Maybe get some more reinforcements I don't here. Even seen this. We've seen this. Remember Atlanta? 
Right? We've seen this. Yeah, they, they, didn't have the, they didn't have the roster that they have now in that Atlanta Well, that, see, that's the thing. Why did they lose that series? Do you think they lost that series because they got run to the ground? If that's your opinion, I respect it, but is that what okay, you think happened? I don't want to, I don't want to say the, what the other alternative is, which is that they were so outcoached that it was embarrassing. Different story, by the way. By the way, that is a different... If we're going to talk about Tom Thibodeau in the playoffs and what kind of coach he is... Based on adjustments, mm-hmm. based on being outcoached by Spo last yep. year, or even three years earlier, that's different. And by the way, on that, I'm skeptical of Tom Thibodeau. But in terms of the minutes police that has existed since this man got the job, <laughs> and you're right now like the sheriff. Well, the only the only issue is that the the one example we can use is is Julius Randall because he's been here for the longest time. Yeah, and. I don't know if that playoff series against the Atlanta Hawks was DeAndre Hunter, Wahoo, just shutting his ass down. <laughs> Clint Capella. And, or, or, and Clint Capella disrupting him in the po- po- uh, uh, paint. Or was it just playoff Julius? Like, I don't know. Wow. And so, I like, I know there is not a playoff Brunson. And it's well, not in the negative, it is, that is. The, the playoff Brunson is exactly what the regular season Brunson is. So, we don't know. If it's just his grinding nature that caused the Knicks to short circuit, or is he just doesn't have the play? I tell you the other thing though, and I think this is damn important. I think winning games in the regular season matters. I think where you're seated in this Eastern yeah, Conference as matters. As long as you stay healthy, I get that. But you, but you need to balance the two but things. It's three, dude. I mean, the three best players but on this what team. What does are that hurt. mean? Does it mean Brunson shouldn't mean, have played last night? It doesn't night? mean anything. It just means that their their three best players are hurt. They are. And so, like, there's accountability for these things. You see it in the NFL all the time. Oh, you led the team. You led the league in IRs. Guess what? The head of training gets fired. It just happens. You see it in baseball, right? You you, you led the league in you know days missed by the, the whatever you know metric you want to use in baseball. Their their athletic training staff gets fired. There's there has to be an accountability somewhere. Your three best players midway through the season are all hurt right now. We will, Somebody's got to be accountable for we'll that. We'll get your calls next. There are a lot of Lake Nick fans that like to blame the head coach and say it's his fault. He's the reason. Up by 28 minutes to go, he shouldn't be in the game. We'll get your calls next, 877-337-6666. lot to do today. We'll mix in some football, a little baseball as well. The Mets are linked to a stick, and you know I need one stick. We'll get to it later. I do think that there's more optimism if you're a Nick fan that Jalen Brunson's going to be okay. It did look like he turned his ankle. He goes down. He's in pain. Unties his shoe. Says, I'm fine. Gets off. Goes to the bench. Walks by himself. Then he goes into the locker room. There wasn't any kind of boot put on him. Isn't that usually what happens when you sprain your ankle? Like a boot will get up there? If it's bad. If it's a high ankle sprain or grade two or three, whatever the heck the class. So that's a good sign that there was no boot. Absolutely a good sign that there was no boot. And he was walking. I mean, it was a slight limp, but nothing... He just twisted his ankle, so right. it's fine. You're gonna you're gonna walk with a little bit of a limp, anyways. But it wasn't like clear. He didn't look like he was really favoring his his leg. No, I think that will he miss a couple of games? Probably, and he should. Like I'll be the first to tell you that. Like him playing tomorrow night, as exciting as that would be, because he's your best player and he gives you a better chance to win. Is that smart long term? No, he should probably sit until the All Star break just to give his ankle time to heal. But I definitely sense. Unlike with Ananobi and Randall, where by the day you get more nervous about the severity of the injury, right? I think with Brunson, just that view of what I described, seeing him get up, 
seeing him not need any crutches or not need a boot makes you think, okay, this is probably a real day-to-day kind of injury. Because obviously, for the short time, without Jalen, without OG, without Julius, as good as the big Ragu is, and he was great last night, dropping 32 and being their hero, mm-hmm. it's going to be very difficult to win games without those three guys. Oh, yeah. I mean, at least uh, consistently. I mean, they did it leading up to the Lakers game where they were winning. But that was with Jalen. Now you're taking him away. Jalen Brunson. I mean, who's picking up the slack? And this is the issue that we've known was going to come to a head at some point after they traded IQ and and R.J. Barrett. They just don't have the scoring on the bench. Well, that's why they need to make a move. Right. At the the Nets-Knicks game that we all went to, except for you, Sean, at that game, like when the bench unit came in, it was like, who's scoring here? And look at last night. Last right. night, Tom Thibodeau went to three guys off his bench. Malachi Flynn got 10 minutes of action. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we saw Deuce McBride, who gets big minutes, and even Taj Gibson. So there is certainly a depth issue, and it's going to be tested more without Jalen Brunson. But there are a bunch of Nick fans, and Tiki seems to rep them, who looks at these injuries and say, Tom Thibodeau's fault. Mm-hmm. He grinds him too toughly. And I think it's crazy. I think sometimes injuries are just bad luck. Toll-free numbers, 877-337-6666. Anthony is in Harlem. Good afternoon, Anthony. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you? What's up, Ant? I'm good, guys. Listen, when Julius Randle got hurt, Knicks were up 24 points with four minutes left in the game, and he's taking a shot to them. This is like what Tom Coughlin was coaching Teak back in your day. He was <laughs> doing things the old-school way, yeah. and there's a new way. It's called load management. If it didn't work and analytics didn't prove that minutes in June are not the same as minutes in February against the Grizzlies, they wouldn't all be doing it. He's grinding them down. Someone's got to talk to him and tell him, you got to cool it, dude. you got to play the six guys on the bench that aren't taking their warm-ups off. Yeah. you got to play them some minutes. Well, and in his defense, though, Anthony, and I agree with you because that's the, that's the same stance I'm taking, His they, he doesn't have the bench to go to. There's nobody on that bench well, that he trusts. He could play more of players. He, he just doesn't course. trust them. Right. But in the back of his mind, he – I don't think you can make Tom Thibodeau say, yeah, this game doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah we can lose this one. And, and to his credit, I, I, I applaud that. But when he goes to his bench, he's like, this, 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 that guy's not helping me win. Yeah, but okay. He's not helping me win. And so if I'm just doing this for the sake of load management, I'm going to try to win instead. I also think, let's be fair about the situation where Julius got hurt. Let's have the facts in front of us so we can make the decision. There was about four and a half minutes to go in the game. Yep. The Knicks were up by 17. Mm-hmm. I want to acknowledge that is a big lead. There's four and a half minutes to go. Take the air out of the ball, man. The they Mi- almost don't have enough possessions to come I, back. I, I got the Miami Heat had Bam on the floor. They had Jimmy on the floor. Mm-hmm. They had Tyler Hero on the floor. So what that means is that the Miami Heat were still trying to win that game. Of course. They had not given up. Of course. Now, there are moments in games where the head coach says, I'm out. Right. We're lost. We're done. I'm packing it up. Here comes the bench. Eric Spolstra didn't do that. Now, the reason I bring that up is it's not an open-shut case like our last caller said. Well, the Knicks were up by 25. Why is Julius out there? He's out there because the Miami Heat starters were out there. Mm-hmm. And with a 17-point game and four and a half minutes to go, you can't take all your guys out right. and just say, all right, we'll go up against a team, by the way, that beat us in the playoffs last year, and we'll give them four and a half minutes to come back in the game. Because you know what the worst thing you can do is? Take your guys out and then put them back in. Yeah. And that's on the table. Yeah. So when you're so arrogant to say the game's over, if your opponent's in coach didn't make the same decision, 
Can you really be that arrogant? Yeah. That's a tough well, spot. Should you, Tom Thibodeau really be blamed for that? I, no, he shouldn't. But in this situation, it felt like it because the Grizzlies don't have the starters out there. I mean, they have their G League team out there. Last night's literally, a little bit different. I literally, admit that. it's their G League team. <laughs> Last night's different. <laughs> so it's just a little bit different. And and Jalen Brunson wasn't the reason that they hung on and won the game. And so I know I know that that's revisionist. It has nothing to do with it. It's not even part of the argument. But it's the reality of what happened. Maybe Dante DiVincenzo would have been okay, right? Being the sole catalyst on the on the floor, maybe. And Jalen Brunson is not hurt, and we're not even having this conversation. Mm. Let's go to Cayman in Shelton, Connecticut. What's up, Cayman? Hey guys, how you doing? What's Good. up? Um, I want to just give you guys a little bit of perspective. I'm not a fan, nor did I watch the game last night. But what I wanted to be able to say is, Tips, you know, with Tips, you got to take the bad with the good. When you ask Tips to change his coaching strategies, it's like asking Draymond Green to become a teddy bear. Um, <laughs> I've I've been in Chicago. I grew up as a Chicago Bulls guy. I love Tom Thibodeau. He brought the team to a competitiveness level right. that we hadn't seen since Jordan, or since he left, right? He gets the respect from the players. Players play hard for him. And, and the fans get the competitive team that they've been drooling for for years and years. Here's the problem with Thibodeau. Thibodeau does not coach smart. If you look at the game, game one, the Bulls versus the Sixers, game one playoffs, they had a double-digit lead with two minutes to go. Double digits. And he decides to just Bring Derrick Rose in, and boom, there you see it. ACL. Yeah. Gone. Career. I didn't, even, I, didn't even, I didn't even realize. And they lost that series as yeah. a one seed, which unfortunately is on right. his resume when Derrick Rose got hurt at the right. end of game one. I think Tom Thibodeau, the playoff coach, to me is a very different discussion. Because now you're going to see the other side of me. The other side of Evan when I look at Tom Thibodeau, which is, what is he won? And the answer is nothing. Like, Tom Thibodeau was the head coach of a Chicago Bull team that was the one seed in back-to-back years. Now, Mm -hmm. granted, this is the Heatles era. This is LeBron's era. But he was the head coach of a Chicago Bull team that won 63, 62 games, whatever the number was, and they lost in five to the Miami Heat and completely collapsed in game five. The following year is what he's bringing up, where Derrick Rose got injured at the end of game one against Philly, and they lost that series to Philadelphia as a one seed. Yep. We saw what happened in Minnesota. We've seen what's happened here. Like, if you add up all of Tom Thibodeau's rounds of victories in his coaching career, like, you add it up, how many rounds of the postseason has he won? The answer is six, okay? (laughs) Now, Glenn Rivers, on the other hand, and I'm bringing him up because this has been a talking point now for the last week and a half from every Nick fan I hear. That's Doc for the uninitiated. Glenn Doc Rivers, he's lost his doctorate. Oh, you know why we have a chance? Because the Bucks hired Doc Rivers, and all he does is choke in the playoffs. Now, there's some truth to that. But do you know how many postseason series Glenn Rivers has won in his career? One, two, three, four, five. Sixteen. <laughs> because he's been to two NBA finals. Right. Because he's been to three or four Eastern Conference finals. Tom's been to one. Now, we could further that and say, okay, Evan, why? What makes Tom Thibodeau not a great postseason coach? And to me, it's not the grinding. Like, that's the funny contradiction. So what is it? It's the adjustments and the lack thereof. And the so caught in his own ways. <laughs> and so stubborn with some of the rotations that he has. Right. Like, the playoffs are about adju- they're about matchups, which Lugia said. They're also about adjustments. Eric Spoltra, Spolstra adjusts on an elite level. 
He's one of the great coaches in our sport. He's the best coach in the NBA for my money. When he was mano a mano with Tom Thibodeau a year ago, why did Miami win that series? There's a few reasons, one of which yep. is the coach. Right. So if you want to have a conversation about this head coach and winning the big one and his resume and Glenn Rivers' resume, you'll see that I don't trust Tom Thibodeau. But what I don't buy and what I will not stand for is the slander from the minutes police. Because <laughs> I don't think that's why it's, he fails in the playoffs. It, it's not even necessarily the minutes, Evan. It's the it's the grind of every day. Every day. And again, from an entertainment standpoint, like it's it's exactly what you would want. I want to see my star play every day. I want to see Jalen Brunson out there every day. If he goes on the road, he's going to play every day. But eventually that taxes you, and it wears you out, and you, you expect the all-star break to be a break. It's usually not for your star, especially if it's a guy like Jalen Brunson, because he's going to be playing. He's going to be busy. He's going to be doing whatever the heck you're doing at All-Star Week, including being on the court and t- doing a three-point contest. It's not really a break. And so when was the break coming? It's not happening in season because he doesn't give it to him. So like, at some point, you got to put a little bit of blame on him. By the way, that's the uncomfortable conversation. The uncomfortable conversation is, and we saw when Jalen got emotional last week, mm-hmm. a part of why he was so emotional is that he finally got to an All-Star game. And I understand why that's very, very exciting for him. There may be a conversation that has to have between, Le- I wouldn't even say Tom Thibodeau, between mm-hmm. Leon Rose and Jalen Brunson next week where he says, Jalen, we're very happy for you. Yeah. Can't play in this game. Yep. And you can't be in the three-point contest. Yeah, it's on your resume now. Sorry. It's on your resume now. Fine. Doesn't matter. You don't got to go to be there. You don't want to do that to him? No, that's way too extreme. Why? Three-point contest. The NBA All-Star game's a layup line. You're not going to get hurt in that game. Nobody cares. Nobody tries. Or he could pull a Giannis last year where he had the dunk and then he left after one play. The guy's earned it. He, he Give him three minutes out there on the court. Half the people don't care in that Do you have game. a long memory? Because I do. Who got hurt in the All-Star No, no, I'm not talking about a yeah. guy getting uh-huh. hurt. I'm talking about the way this city melted down when Carmelo Anthony played in an All-Star game but couldn't play in the regular season afterwards because he was hurt. Nobody will say that about Jalen Brunson. <laughs> you know that there are a million Carmelo Anthony haters. Jalen Brunson basically broke down in tears when he made the All-Star game. Don't rob that from him. And by the way, I think he's going to be back before the All-Star break, but let him play two minutes in the game and do the three-point contest. Not a big deal. By the way, I don't know how – this is where Tiki and I would agree. Now that he is hurt, yeah. I'd be very careful about bringing him back before the All-Star Well, no well I'd be hurt, very careful hurt or what, banged what up? Four games? Uh, four games they have. Four and, games. and against four quality NBA teams, Those, by the way. So I get you may lose all of them. I understand that. We don't know he's hurt. He sprained his ankle. I know, last but he night. walked off the court on his own power. Josh Hart, I think, said he talked to him. He said he seems like he's all right. So I don't know yeah. if he's hurt, hurt, or he's just a little nicked up. Did I you mean, see the way that ankle turned last I did, night? but I also saw the way he walked off the court. He's not in a boot. No, I'm not saying it's severe. And Clyde like, was like, oh, he's really flexible. <laughs> my, my question would be, can he injure it further by playing? If that's the case, then maybe play with kick gloves. But if not, go ahead. Let's go to John in Garden City. What's up, John? Hey, guys. So I think it was Clyde. It might have been Alan Hahn after the game. I'm not sure. Somebody was saying how the type of injury that Brunson had is an injury of fatigue. You know, he's getting a lot of minutes. And, you know, when you're a little more tired, you don't step as careful. And, yeah, you I know, can see and, that. And so... So that 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 you know the the physiology of it the, the the mechanics of it may have to do look when you're tired you don't play you probably don't don't work as well you know and these guys are tired so so that's that's one of the reasons you want to maybe control some minutes but I, I mean there's a lot of parts of what I wanted to call the the main thing is go get like 
a reasonable facsimile of what you're missing. I mean, go get um, Drummond. He's on an expiring contract. Go get go get Kyle Lowry. You know, I mean, don't you know if you can't wait to buy them out, make a deal. I mean, and I, I hate to say, it, but like. Did Fournier all of a sudden forget how to shoot? He's just he's, he's just in the doghouse. He's just in the doghouse. No, but that goes to one of Tom Thibodeau's, I guess, uh, blind spots. Yeah, when he has an opinion of you, good or bad, by the way, it he, is what it is. It's locked in. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why CP the franchise the other day said Alec Burks is a great fit. Yeah, because when Tom Thibodeau looks at Alec Burks. He sees, you know, the right. most beautiful thing in the world. Right. That's why he always, Derrick Rose always found him. <laughs> right. Always. But that's the good and the bad of Tom Thibodeau. Like, when he doesn't believe in you and he doesn't trust you, you're dead to him. Now, I agree with you about adding bodies, and that's why the next 24 hours are going to be really interesting and really mm-hmm. important. Now, our last caller also mentioned the buyout market. Like, you can add key bodies in mm-hmm. that buyout market. But the problem with the buyout market is that now you're competing with every other team in the NBA or every other good team in the NBA that could potentially offer a better situation. Right. They want the same thing. They they want the same guys for the same reason. Now, I think the Knicks are an appealing place. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I don't think teams or players are going to say, I'm not interested. But now you're kind of recruiting guys as opposed to when you trade for a guy. Yeah, you get who you want. You go get them. But yeah, if they had, and I, I know I'm skeptical about the fit, of DeJounte Murray and Jalen Brunson. But here's what I'm not skeptical of. When Jalen Brunson's on the bench, you have yourself an elite player and an elite ball handler running your offense while Jalen gets the much-needed rest that you just described. Right. The question is, if they don't get any of those guys, do they find a way to do it anyways and trust Dante DiVincenzo, right? Does that ever become the in-house solution. Well, I don't... Because, I'll, look, the trade deadline is, what, it's, in, it's a tomorrow. Day, it's a day and how many... When is it? Four Three o'clock? o'clock. Three o'clock. So a day and 15 minutes away. Yeah, we're 24 hours away. Right, 24 hours away. And, I mean, I don't know... I'm not hearing a lot, right? You're not hearing many, like, rumors or shaking of the feathers or whatever the heck you, you want to... Euphemism you want to use. You're not hearing a lot of things. Are they thinking, is this an in-house no, like I solution? think they're trying to make a deal, but I think they're doing it under their terms. Like, Leon Rose uh-huh. has shown us. We now have a book on Leon. He's been here for almost four years. And the thing about Leon Rose is he ain't giving in. Mm-hmm. He's not going to just give up whatever it takes to get right. said player. But he do you think want- these injuries matter? Does it matter now more? Because I think with the Julius injury, it, it made us realize, oh, God, you got to get another score. Because if he's out for any extended amount of time, this this what are they three seed right now? This this three slot it could slide away, right? We need somebody else. And now with Jalen Brunson being banged up a little, it's just a little bit, but we don't know how bad it is and ultimately how long he's going to miss. Like it really becomes urgent. I, think, I know that they're protecting against feeling d- like desperate, but it, now it's obvious. Yeah, I think a part of why they haven't given real clear updates on Julius Randle and OG Ananobi is they don't want you to know if they're desperate. Yeah. They don't want, and, and I think that's smart. I'm not even ripping them for that. I think where it's frustrating is as a fan, you want to know. You want to know, like, what the hell's going on with OG Ananobi? Like, none of us freaking know. Mm-hmm. We're all sitting here making assumptions. Yeah, we don't even, like, he didn't, he didn't get hurt. It's not like in a moment he got hurt. It wasn't an acute injury. Right. Something that's lingering. Well, it comes to the point where OG Ananobi playing this weekend could happen, and him not playing for a month could happen. Mm-hmm. Because we have no idea. I think in the case of Jalen, because we saw it, 
because we saw him get right. up, right. because we've seen, oh, oh, he walked without crutches, he walked without a boot, we're telling ourselves he's going to be okay. Yeah. But it's not like anything the Knicks are going to tell us we're any going to believe because look at what's happened over the last few weeks with Julius Randle and Gian and Obi. Let's go to Tavo in East Brunswick. How are you, Tavo? Hey, guys. How you guys doing? What's up, Tavo? Good, uh, man. So I, I, think, I think you're both right uh, on the Knicks. Uh, but before that, Evan, real quick on the beard. Um, so a couple <laughs> years ago, I decided to, to go with the beard. I decided to get a big beard. Uh, I just wanted to do it, so I did it. Um, went to a wedding. Uh, everybody was talking about the beard. It became a thing. Uh, at work, everybody's giving me compliments. So, and then one day I woke up and I realized I hate this beard, <laughs> and I don't, and I don't want it anymore. And I felt obligated to keep it. Wow. So I'm telling you, Evan, you still got it. The, as a co-host, no, I got rid of it actually. But that's, uh, okay. that's kind of my point is, Evan, um, as the co-host of a afternoon drive in New York, you don't have to do anything for anybody. That's right. Save the beard. That's right. Feel good about it. And, and, and breathe. Uh, well, as far as, you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Tavo. As of now, I'm doing this for Pete Alonso because I made a proclamation <laughs> for Pete that Alonso, I would bro. not shave my head or shave my hair or whatever it turned into until Pete gets extended. Now, hopefully I wake up tomorrow morning and I get the shocking news that Pete got extended and then I could do whatever the hell I want. I think the real question is going to be, Tavo, once I'm out of this, once I'm allowed to shave my beard, am I going to feel the pressure to keep it because everybody seems to say it looks nice. But I also think I'm being ribbed. I think people are telling me it looks nice as really a rib because I look like a freaking monster. So that's the thing I'm going to have to determine. But I appreciate the advice, Tavo. Yeah, for sure. So I, I think I think you definitely take it off, and I think you'll feel better about it. Um, you're a Nets fan. You go to Nets games. So yes. You don't have to show anything to anybody. That's enough for anybody <laughs> to, to, to understand that, right? Fair point, um, as, yeah. far as, uh, as far as Tibbs, um, so you guys are both right. First of all, um, Playoff tips. I mean, I've been a Knicks fan forever, and I'm I'm tired of hearing about how you know in in the Hawks series and this he played mm-hmm. Alex Burks too much, he played Tosh Gibson too much. You talk about Fournier, he when a guy's dead to him, you're right when he's dead to him. But at the same time, the guys that he trusts when they're not doing well, he just goes down with the ship. So that's not being a good coach. That's part of adjustment. But also, I agree with Tiki. I mean, you have to know how to manage. Uh, you know, as a as a leader, how to manage the season. Um, the ups and downs, the grinds of, of, of back-to-backs and stuff like that. And when you continue to grind every game, you know, they talk about his culture. His culture, two years before uh, Brunson was here, there were 38-win teams. So where was his culture then? Yeah. Um, it, it's really Brunson's been the culture. Brunson's been the elite player that's elevated the Knicks with this team and last year's team. So I think you guys are both right. I, I think that playoff tips is definitely something to worry about. But I also think that he don't he needs to manage the regular season. I mean, half these teams aren't even trying as hard as they are. Yeah. So even if they go down to eighty five percent, they're still going to beat both of these teams because Brunson and the rest of the team are just good players. Yeah, and especially after the trade deadline, a good uh, good call, Tavo. Especially after the trade deadline, when some of these teams really ship off like assets. Right. They, I mean, they're racing to the bottom, and so I'm not saying they're all easy wins because the guys that are out there are still playing and they're still obviously NBA players, but. It, it 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 should, in theory, get easier. The the one thing I will disagree about is that I think Tom Thibodeau is the main reason why this culture changed at Madison Square Garden. And I understand mm. giving a lot of credit to Jalen Brunson for what he's done and the star he's become, and he certainly makes them a threat. Well, but when Tom Thibodeau walked through that door, the New York Knicks, that following season, that weird COVID yeah. kind of season, they went out and they were the yeah, four but they, seed. But they got so – they were lucky because – and when you want to talk about luck, like they were able to 
like institute what he was trying to do in this weird vacuum that we were kind of paying attention to, but not really paying attention to. But he still did to. it. I understand that. But it, it wasn't the real world. It was it was fake. And we saw the reaction the next year when Julius Randle now all of a sudden is facing for real criticism because he was inconsistent. I'm not saying he's bad. But that shouldn't take he's, away from the job Tom Thibodeau okay. did in year one. Yeah, I, I know, but we talk about this culture, but then why was Julius Randle lazy on the court? They had a bad year. Why was Julius Randle lashing out every single opportunity? He had a bad year. Why was he basically throwing the finger up at the guys? Is, is Tom Thibodeau saying, yeah, it's okay. You're good, Julius, man. Just keep playing. Just show up and work hard every day. We got you. But right? the bad like, of year two shouldn't wipe out year one. I, I I know, but I'm saying year one was a weird season. Is that I, I that pandemic that, yeah. season was? I don't I don't even know what to believe from it. Like were the the L.A. Lakers the best team in the NBA that year? No, no, but this is. Not. But remember, this is the following season. This is we're out of the bubble now. Yes, we're playing in empty arenas. I'll right. give you that. And then the arenas got filled up for the playoffs. They still went out and earned that four seed. I think that mm. Jalen Brunson deserves an enormous amount of credit. But Tom Thibodeau, and this is why the view on Tom Thibodeau is not just linear. As a regular season head coach, I love I, his resume. I think he's done a great job. Of course, Even but, the year he had in Minnesota, but what he did matter. in Chicago. But metrics matter. Well, what, the metrics of what? He's a good regular season the head coach. The metrics of body maintenance matters, right? In, in football now, they have they have these like geotags on your shoulder pads or in your whatever, your shells. So they know how much you're running. Like they this is why you don't they know how much you're hitting. Right? They know everything, every little detail about your body. Now, the science I don't always agree with, but every little detail, they know. It, I feel like the Knicks, it's just like gut. All right, you, you look good. Yeah, you look, okay, go ahead, go ahead. You might be fatigued, but you'll fight through it. You'll be fine. It'll build you strong. Get you, get you ready for the postseason. And in fact, it puts you more susceptible to injury. That's what, that's what this is all coming down to. Are these guys hurt because it's luck? Or were they susceptible to injury because they play too much? Honestly, I think it's bad luck. <laughs> and I think that sucks because sometimes when things are just bad luck, we don't have anyone to yell at. And it's frustrating. Like, I remember when Matt Harvey needed Tommy John surgery. And I don't know why that's the injury teak that jumps out at me more than mm -hmm. any other. But as Met fans, we were devastated. And we had no one to yell at. It wasn't Jeff Wilpon's fault. It mm -hmm. wasn't a manager's fault. It was nobody's fault. And I remember sitting here on the radio saying, I'm screaming into the wind. I don't have anyone to blame, but this sucks. <laughs> and that's how I view these Nick injuries. There's nobody to blame. It just sucks. Jalen Brunson trips, gets back up, three seconds later, turns his ankle. Whose fault is it? Is it the floor at Madison Square Garden? Is it Ben Stiller's fault because he's such a good fan? Like, is it Mike Breen's fault because he accepted the gift from Jalen Brunson before the game? Is it Josh Hart's fault because he's distracting him with this podcast? Like, whose fault? Is it my fault because on Friday we declared him the king of New York City? It's definitely your fault. It's my fault. Fine, I'll take the blame. Every team I touch goes to crap anyway. It makes sense. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes 
certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. Evident Tiki on the fan. A lot to get to. We'll mix in some baseball later on. Obviously, the Super Bowl coming up. What I can't get over about the Super Bowl, just think about this for a second. Just take a step back when you think about this weekend and this game. It is in Las Vegas, Nevada. For so many years, the NFL and this commissioner talked about sports gambling and this city of Las Vegas, Nevada as a non-starter, as a almost like the third rail. The third rail or the second rail or the fourth rail? One of those rails. I got it right. The third rail, The third. Yeah, I got it right. The third rail. And the idea. (laughs) The third rail. That's where you, if you step on it, like you're You're dead fried. You get fried. You get fried. It's powering a train to move on the the subway track. Or actually on on land, but still. Right. There's a lot of volts going through there. The third rail. And it was always like evil to them to ever talk about, to ever (laughs) refer to. And here we are in this brand new world. Where not only is the Super Bowl in Las Vegas, but they're in bed with gambling. Money, 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 money. I mean, you watch these games now, and every five seconds, they're bringing up the different odds and the different things you can bet on. And the number that they're predicting this weekend is ridiculous. I think a billion dollars, right? No. 23.5 billion. I was... (laughs) $23.5 $23.5 billion is going to no. be gambled. That's insane. That's, that's more than the NFL makes. That's insanity. The NFL is a $20 billion business. It's $23.5 billion. And that's why wow. it's important to talk to this guy. And as much as I enjoy doing the show with him for two and a half years, I think what he did at 9.30 a.m. and still does on this station is probably more important. And that is talking about the pitfalls of gambling. And that is my guy, Craig Carton. Craig, what have you been up to? Like, are you doing TV or something? <laughs> uh, every now and then I do. I dabble. I dabble. <laughs> FS1 in the morning. Check it out. The no, I, I, I still check you out. Are you kidding me? I'm Who still loyal. That I'd be booked as a guest on the highly rated Tiki and Evan show. Certainly not me. <laughs> he didn't even put you first, Evan. <laughs> he dropped me to two. Because <laughs> he's so used to it. <laughs> you know what? It is, it is. By the way, Tiki, that number is more like $60 billion when you count. You know, all like the office pools right. and the house parties and all that stuff. Yeah, and that's here's a, a better point. way to look at it. There's roughly 300 million people that live in this country, right? Yep. And the thought is that nearly a half of those people will wager on this year's Super Bowl. Wow. That is crazy. Wow. Start what, thinking about that. Wow. And we'll, even, if, even if it's a dollar. Think how yep. much money that is. And what was that number, Craig, before, you know, legalized sports gambling? Because people were always betting, but obviously it wasn't mainstream. It wasn't talked about. You know, my grandfather used to do it all the time. I certainly remember. But what was that number in comparison like a decade ago? So they, so I'll give you better. The year before the widespread proliferation of legalized gambling, which obviously started in Jersey, and you'll be able to do it on your phone and all that, they thought the total handle would be in the neighborhood of $1.5 billion. Mm. So you're talking in a five-year span, that number doing a times 30, 40? Wow. Because there's a, remember, when it came to gambling, now people like me gambled anyway. Right. I was legal, legal, whatever. I, I was a gambler, right? But there's a good portion of America 
that are only now gambling because it's legal. Yeah. Right. A lot of people said I might be interested, in it, but I'm not going to do it because it's not legal. I can't do it. I don't want to book you. I don't want to deal with that nonsense. Yeah. So the fact that it's a mainstream accepted, you know, pastime now is why so many more people are doing it. Yeah. You know, Craig, what, what is the sign that people should be looking for? Not not the gamblers themselves, but say friends or family of of some of these guys that might have a problem or gals, to be honest with you. Yep. Yeah, no, it's a great question because a lot of people don't have a problem. And to be fair, that's not to scare people. The far majority of people can gamble responsibly and do gamble responsibly. That 1% of the total amount of people that will gamble at all will present with a problem. And of those 1%, maybe 1% have the problem with leveling. You know, I had it. But the thing, you, the first thing you can look for in a friend or a loved one is how they change socially. Hmm. You know, gambling, when done the way you know, people would like to do it, it should be fun. It should be recreational. It should be very social. You do it with your friends. You're at a party. You're all watching the same game. You know, that type of thing. And, you know, problem gamblers become loners. So when you see the kid that's no longer interested in dating or going to the house party or hanging out with his buddies or going to play golf or whatever the case is, a drink after work, and they're spending a lot of time by themselves, they can't separate their eyeballs from their phone because they're constantly in action looking for the next bet. Those are the first early signs for people to look at. And you'll know before anyone else knows if it's a friend that's just not acting, quote, unquote, normal the way he or she normally acts. And for people that have gambling problems, that's the first sign they become more reclusive socially and start shying away from the relationships that used to mean so much to them. How do you, if you're, you're by yourself, kind of realize I have a problem? Because that's a good way to know if it's your friend or it's a relative. Right. But if it's yourself... When's a sign that, all right, maybe I'm doing too much of this? Yeah, so that's, that's a loaded question because I was well aware that I wasn't gambling in a healthy manner, but I, I made conscious decisions not to stop. Right. Mm. So I can't say how many times I would look in a mirror and say, hey, dummy, stop. You know, you shouldn't be betting the amounts you're betting how, as often as you're betting. You know, it's not smart to be in a casino as often as I was or looking for underground games or whatever the case may be. The issue is that when you get to a, a point in your life where now you've got the problem, rational thought escapes your brain because now all you care about is when am I going to gamble? How am I going to gamble? What kind of money am I going to gamble? Where am I getting the money from? Who do I owe money to? All those types of conversations. And at that point, you're in trouble because at that point, you're starting to shield yourself from the people that care about you. And many of us, myself included, become really adept at hiding the problem and lying about it. Yeah. You know, famously, you guys know, I sat next to the guys I sat next to for 10 years at the fam. And while everyone knew I liked to gamble, nobody had any idea the length I was going to gamble. Yeah. No, and I have a question about the NFL in a second, but like if you got in trouble for it, but a lot of people won't get in trouble for it. How do they, how do they stop? You know, how do they get control over it? Well, first loving family and friends. And the hardest thing for the loving family and friends is not bailing them out. Yeah. Because when you mm. bail them out, you know, you've given them a free pass at it. And that's the hardest thing. And you're part of my life now, which I take great pride in, is I counsel younger kids, you know, in their early 20s who now have gambling problems and talk to their families and do all that. Because the obvious answer is my son's hurting. I'm going to make him feel better. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to make him feel better by paying off his debt or helping him out. And while we're all going to do that because we love our kids and our friends and family, you know, you just encourage them to do it again because you gave them a bailout. And that's the hardest part to tell a parent that your son's going to have to figure this out and you can aid him 
and walk them through it. And you can have meetings with the people you owe money to to try to figure out a payment plan and all that. But at the end of the day, they've got to get out of it with your help. You can't just bail them out. Yeah. And one of the things you notice now with kids that are 18, 19, and 20, so in most states they're not of the legal age where they can gamble, because it's becoming so mainstream, there are parents out there that are setting up accounts in their names and allowing their kids to gamble through their name. And I have a good friend who's doing that now, and he asked me my thoughts on it, and I said my concern with that is when your son loses, he never has to pay the bill. Mm. So yeah. he has no idea what it's like to lose. Yeah, it's like and playing a video game. You know, sense of the value of a buck. Right. Um, and then you're going down a bad road. So I don't encourage that at all. And that's why, you know, what Fandle did a number of years ago, which I, I heartfully endorse, they've created these opportunities for you to protect you from you, whether that's time limits. So you know, if you are wagering on the Fandle app, for example, you go and you make your wager and you turn it off. There's no reason to be on it for six hours a day, right? Mm-hmm. So you can protect yourself against that kind of behavior. Yeah. And a lot of, and then the, the other two are wager limits, self-explanatory. Right. You put a cap on how much you're allowed to wager on any particular game and deposit limits. So, you know, you can only put a thousand bucks in a month, let's say, making up a number. And again, you protect yourself, not just against losses, where a lot of people, especially immature gamblers, are now going to try to chase a bad loss by throwing money at the next game just because they want to get the money back, and you know where that's going to end up, but also against big wins. You know, a good portion of problem gamblers, their journey started with a win. Right. And because they got a taste of winning, and boy, that's easy money, right. quote-unquote, right? And it feels they good. They start chasing the win like a drug addict would chase a high. Well, I'll tell you what FanDuel did. I saw this the other day because I'm on FanDuel, is they put up how much I've deposited over like the last two years. And it was almost like reminding you, like the calorie count when you're shoving food down your throat. Hey, you could eat this, but look how many calories you've eaten. And I thought that was actually smart because I haven't even put that much money in my account. But seeing the number was like, oh, okay. You know, I'm not, yeah. I ain't putting any more in. I thought that was actually very smart to, to kind of remind you of how much you've put in to maybe slow you down a little bit. Yeah, look, the reality is that if you, if you do it recreationally, it, you can, it's entertainment, right? I'm going to spend 50 bucks on a Broadway play, whatever the number is. So maybe I'm going to make tonight's ball game a pay-per-view event. And right. that's where you leave it, no problem. You're not going to have a problem. You're doing it in a reasonable manner. It's when you're like, oh, I can't believe the Nets didn't cover. Oh, there's a West Coast game. I'm going to take that 50 bucks and I'm going to put it on Portland. And then that loses. Right. And then you wind up you're betting on dogs racing in Tijuana. <laughs> <laughs> that's, let's hope not. You know, Craig, I know you got a ton of connections everywhere. And now that you're a big TV star, and probably yeah. even more so, especially in the NFL. It's just a fine line, a little, you know, shimmy, a little dance that they have going on with yeah. gambling. How, how are they managing or talking about this? Because it is a big issue. They have to know it is. Oh, they know it is, but they, like every other Fortune 500 company in the world, they're powered by financial greed, right? You know, think about any time a player, and the, the laws, I don't want to get into two in the weeds on it, but the rules for players, versus team employees are drastically different. Yeah, I'll huh. just give you an example. Yeah. If you're a player, the NFLPA has negotiated this with the NFL, you are allowed to wager on every sport other than the NFL. Okay? That's, you're allowed to do it, okay? But you can't do it on team property, can't do it on the team bus, can't do it at the team hotel, can't do it at the facility, et cetera, et cetera. So if you got in your car and drove across the street to the local deli, you can put 50 bucks on the Nick game. If you did it in the parking lot, You've now broken the law. 
Yeah. Or the NFL bylaws, yeah. I should say. Yeah, you're going to get they, suspended now, you're six a games. Employee, a non-player, you're a secretary with the New York Jets or New York Giants. You can't wager on anything. And if you do, you're immediately fired from your job. You're suspended or fired outright. So the rules are kind of ambiguous. And the issue is, like, take this year's Super Bowl. Obviously, it's in Las Vegas. There's an NFL team in Las Vegas. All well and good. The players in this year's Super Bowl cannot physically walk into a casino this week. <laughs> if they do, they're not playing in the Super Bowl. Wow. Players that are not in the Super Bowl, but who are out in Vegas to celebrate, whether it's the Pro Bowl games or just been out there you know, for appearances and making money, et cetera, they're allowed to walk into the casino, but if they step foot in the sports book, they're suspended from next year in the NFL. Cannot play football. Mm. Wow. So it's those types of things. That's that dangerous, get a man. That's like that's murky, flirting with right. it's flirting with with fire. Oh, right, yeah. sure. Even if you're not doing anything wrong, like, even if you, you, you could you could unwill, you could unwittingly do it. Yeah, right. Have a couple right. drinks, get lost a little bit. I mean, yeah. and I'm not. I'm barely joking. Yeah, I'm, I'm. You remember years ago? Remember when Tony Romo, when he was an active player with the Cowboys, right, was supposed to have an appearance for like a fantasy football thing in Vegas. I remember this. I absolutely remember, when the remember NFL this. Came in and said you cannot make that appearance. Yes. So I look, it's it's the good part of you know gambling at the level it is now, from my perspective, having lived the life that I've lived, is that there are a lot of people who have always viewed gambling as a seedy kind of back alley type of thing, you know, the mob and breaking kneecaps and, and like, you know, hanging outside the track, that kind of thing. So the upside of you know, this widespread legalization and proliferation of gambling is that, for example, your youngest kids, Teak, and your kids, Evan, and probably my grandkids, or maybe Anthony, I suppose, they will grow up where talking about gambling at the dinner table is mainstream than normal and acceptable. Mm-hmm. And because of that, people who have a problem will now be much more likely to raise their hand and ask for help. Right. If you're a problem gambler, even 10 years ago, and you're viewed as a quote-unquote degenerate, which I can't stand that we put that adjective in front of the addiction, and a lot of people didn't know you were doing it. Who's going to raise their hand and say, I've got a gambling problem when most of society views gambling as a real dirty, ugly vice? Yeah. But I do think there's an upside to all this, which is five years from now, 10 years from now, your kids, it, God forbid they had a problem, but if they did or if they had a buddy who had a problem, it'll be very normal to say, I need help and ask for it. Yeah, we're talking to Craig Carton, obviously, longtime staple at WFN. You may watch him on TV, the highly rated Carton show on oh, yeah. FS1. Uh, I was saying before, it's kind of crazy to think that we live in this world now. There's a Super Bowl in Las Vegas. You watch NFL games. We hear about the lines. We see it during commercial breaks. These are the lines now. These are the odds now. What would you guess this looks like 10 years from now? Because we've already seen the great change in 10 years. How about 10 years from now? Do you think we see more of it? Do you think it goes the other way and we see less of it? No, I think it, it just grows and grows and grows. It's not, it's not disappearing ever. It's not going to go back to where it was. You know, even five years ago, you will have a – listen, you can do it on your phone in, in like 30-plus states now, but there will be a gambling kiosk or a gambling uh, bar in every stadium in America, every arena in America. There will be far more um, inclusion as, as far as in-game wagering will become even bigger than it is, meaning I'm going to wager on every single play. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if there's a day when you walk into the Garden or Barclays or you name the stadium and there's something at your seat in case uh, you don't have access on your phone – which wow. allows you to gamble right there in the, uh, in the moment. And I, I do hope, and I know from a Fandle perspective, they've talked about this a lot, that 
if you if you kind of follow what took place in this country when it came to not drinking and driving, there was a, a play. There was a time, let's just say, 25 years ago, when I would it wasn't cool for me to ask you for your keys if I thought you had too much to drink, and I'd probably get in the car with you if you drove. And then there came this huge marketing campaign led by you know, Mothers Against Drunk Drivers and, and groups like that to make it clear that it is really cool if you tell your friend, I'm not letting you drive drunk. Mm-hmm. And obviously yeah. companies like Uber and Lyft coming into the fold may, make this a lot easier not to drink and drive. And I know from a FanDuel perspective, the goal is that we get to a place as quickly as possible where I think you have a problem and I'm your friend and I do the cool thing, which is tell you to maybe not make that bet or talk to you about you know, what you're doing and why you're making the bets you're making so I can be there for you before you make a really bad decision, even if it's just a financial decision. Yeah. Like you said, not everyone that is a problem gambler you know, winds up in prison. Right. Right. But it creates family drama, financial drama. And as much as we think we can just wake up the next day and it all gets fixed, it doesn't. It takes a long time to repair relationships that you damage no doubt now let's talk about your family because late last week (laughs) there were accusations made against your oldest son Sonny Carton that he was behind this football aggregator on Twitter Mm -hmm. ML football and Uh then after he denied that it was almost right. left that it's not him, but it's Lucky Carton yeah. behind ML football. I dissect. I dissected. That's that. what Tiki figured out. Now, as the father of these kids, who the hell's behind ML football? Who knows what their kids are doing these days? Oh, but oh, I, look I, at I you. like, the, I like the direction Tiki was going, and so I will say this, and I will help you out. I will confirm for you, ML football is not Sonny Carton. Uh-huh. I will confirm that it's not my daughter Mickey Carton. Okay. I'll even help you out and tell you. It's not the rock star of the family, Anthony Carton. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so stop. it's Lucky Carton who's never said more than five words. Those are the ones you got to be careful about. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Craig, we appreciate it, man. Uh, continued success yeah. with the TV. I'm glad you came on to talk about Thank this. You. It's certainly important. Uh, Thank way, you, bro. What was the process in booking me today? Oh, God. <laughs> you didn't even know. I booked you through uh, FanDuel, and I was like, I wonder if Craig even knows he's coming on. And it's funny, I went on WIP in Philly earlier today. Um, you know, Spike Eskin, big rock star in New York and going to Philly. Right. And they're like, yeah, it took like three phone calls to get this done. Oh, by, by the way, since you've been known to do multiple jobs, and I give you credit, you did both very yeah. well for a long period of time. Somehow. Do you want the WFAN PD job now that Spike's leaving us to go to Philly? Like, could you handle both we're TV asking in the every, We're asking everybody. Yeah. There have been some different conversations. <laughs> I can imagine that. Lukey would freak out, by the way. Uh-oh. He'd be very nervous about that. I, I said I would take the job if they agree to let Sonny replace Boomer. <laughs> <laughs> well, three more years, right? Isn't that pretty much what it is? <laughs> Thank you, Craig. We appreciate it, man. Appreciate you, Craig. All right, talk to you. Yeah, there he is, the great Craig Cartner. You can see on TV, but it's an important discussion because the Super Bowl is coming up in a couple days. Mm-hmm. And look, you just laid out the numbers. He laid right. out the numbers. You laid out the his, numbers. His numbers are more sensible because it's not what we are counting. Right. It's what we're not counting Right. that's even more so. Well, I think we're now in a world, you know, we talked yesterday about Super Bowl parties and where we watch the game and who we watch the game with. You know, when I'm watching the game 10, 15 years ago, people would bet and people played the box game. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it didn't exist, but nowadays, right. everybody. And that box game is big. The it's, box game it's is not big. like, ah, oh, I want 100 bucks. 
No it's, doubt. It's a lot more than that. It's big, and then the prop bets, and then just everything about the game. And gambling has become very prominent. And the, the thing I wrestle with, I, I have to admit, because I've always been like a libertarian at heart. I guess I am a libertarian, mm. where you know, we're parents. we got to take care of our own kids. We can't let anyone else raise them. I was going to say, who's the third-party candidate you're not telling us about? <laughs> well, there's a few right now. <laughs> but when I watch football, and now I've got a 7-year-old who's learning football with me, there is so many gambling ads. Mm-hmm. And then the question is, what is that? What does that mean? Yeah. And like I wrestle with, should I explain it? Yeah. Is that something I even want him to learn? Obviously, when he's of age, like you make your own decisions. Hopefully, I'll teach him right and right. wrong. But it's just so in your face, which was never the case. Like gambling was never, it was around football. It's now in football. And I'm not saying you're doing it as a broadcaster because the broadcasters still aren't really talking about it. But we get those odds after every commercial break. Yeah. No, I mean, they come up all the time. Look, I think Al Michaels is the only one that can actually inject it into a broadcast <laughs> yes. and get away with it. But it, it's there, right? All all of us endorse something or another, right? As as radio host, as TV host, everybody is is on the is on the train. Yeah, no, I'm doing it too. Right? How it makes economic sense for these companies, I have no idea. But they they spend a lot of money trying to get the next dollar, mm-hmm. a lot of money. And now the league's involved. And yes. for many many years, and it's world famous that Goodell said. Basically, we would never do this. We never want to get involved in gambling. And his excuse now for why they've decided to do it is because the Supreme Court obviously basically announced a decade ago, yeah, we're going to allow states to legalize it if they so choose. And now we're at the point where how many states have legalized sports gambling? 35 states, 36 states? 35, 36, somewhere Somewhere in that number. And so the NFL's decision was, you know what? Screw it. Let's just make money off of it. Yep. And with that comes a lot of rules and concerns. We'll go through some of the rules because it's fascinating about what's out there in Vegas this weekend getting ready for the Super Bowl. And plus more on this game. And one thing we never found out yesterday, which I am fascinated to find out today, is what the hell is Tiki doing during the Super Bowl? (laughs) We found out last week that during one of the playoff games, you were on like a Peloton bike. (laughs) I was. No, I was on a treadmill. He was on a treadmill. Ten miles on a treadmill. Ten miles on a treadmill treadmill during a football game. Does that mean he does 30 miles during the Super Bowl? (laughs) We'll find out. Plus more of your calls, 877-337-6666. Not that I'm rooting for it, obviously, but you know, Craig was mentioning it before. The NFL has these rules for Super Bowl 58 yeah. in which if you're an active player that's just there. because yeah, not, not in the game. Not in the game. You're just there. You can legally gamble, but you can't bet on sports and you can't even be in a sports book. So you could play blackjack, you could play craps, you could be at tables, you can legally gamble, you could do the nightlife, you do all that crap. But... If you even walk through a sports book, unless you have to walk through the sports book yeah. to get where you're going. Like to a restaurant or whatever it may be. You get suspended. God, doesn't it feel inevitable that something bad is going to happen? Yes. It really does. Yes. You, you get into Vegas and you get into some of these... Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. These, I don't know, these monstrous buildings 
you kind of don't know where you're going. You're just kind of like walking around. Well, and are we really going to be? Yeah, you're on the casino. But floor. are we going to be that nitpicky? Like someone literally walked through and sat down for ten seconds, they're suspended. I, I is that mean, literally what the league's going to do? I, maybe, maybe. I that's and tough. The thing is, you don't you don't know. Like I remember when I first went to Vegas, I didn't know what the sports book was. Like I kind of kind of knew what it was. Like there's windows up there, but you're kind of like, all right, what are they doing up there? Like you can just kind of walk in. And it and I know the one in the Wingate, the Superbook, which I used to have a, a deal with, or they still have a deal with. Like when you walk in there, the most comfortable place to go sit down and hang out is the sports book. Right. Right. There's this these plush seats. They're they're awesome. They're big. They're comfortable. You got table service. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I know for so well. If you're a player and you're like, ah, oh, I just happen to be, you know, here, oh, this is a cool place to sit out. But see, that's the thing that would piss me off. If you're a player and you make the innocent mistake of yeah. sitting down on a comfortable couch. Right. And that's what it's gonna be. Of course. Right. Are we really gonna have the NFL police suspend that guy? Is that really a thing? Yeah. Especially on Saturday when somebody dumbly has a couple drinks and goes, I'm going to bet this college basketball. No, no, but that's different. Well, hold on a second. There's a big difference between taking your wallet out and betting on a game and literally sitting down in a sports book and having that cost you six games of the NFL season the following year. Well, to be fair. Go ahead. To sit at these sports books with the empty seats, all of them this week especially, they are all reserved seats. So oh, good point. It, it'll be very good difficult point. for somebody to randomly sit down unless they have a paid-for ticket. That's a good point. The only non well, no, hold, on, hold on. You're right if that was me. You're right if that was you. All right. But certainly not right if it was Tiki, by the way. If you're a professional athlete, you don't think someone's going to take my seat, <laughs> sit right here. I guess that could yeah, happen. Hey, oh, hey, hey, you want to come hang out where... Me and my boys have some drinks. Come, I'll buy you some drinks. Yeah. And you're sitting in a sports book. That, that was... And they're FaceTime. They're like, hey, look what we're doing. We're up here with uh, whoever. That's the dangerous part. Everybody <laughs> with the video phone. But right? that, phone. That's my point. That's why, like, I understand the rules and you want to be safe. And you don't want what the NFL is afraid of. And I totally get it. Because this is the thing that could bring the NFL down. Mm-hmm. The thing that could bring the NFL down is people not believing it's real. Yeah. People believing the fix is in. People thinking this is 1919 baseball all over again, and we got Black Sox scandals. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I so think, I get why they want to protect against that. Yeah, I think the real the real issue is let's say let's just say that Saquon Barkley is tight with Christian McCaffrey, and you run into Saquon Barkley, and Saquon Barkley is just like, oh yeah, Christian told me that they're going to do X Y Z and yada yada yada, and that guy now goes and bets on it, and it's innocent. Just like, hey, you talk, you talk to your boy Christian. Yeah, I talked to him. He said this. That now all of a sudden affects his ability to bet successfully. Oh, I get why something. players shouldn't bet on the NFL. Right? right. No, no, I no. I'm not even saying the Saquon's not doing this. I'm saying Saquon. Evan Roberts goes up to Saquon Barkley. Oh, and he's like, tells me. Oh, hey, hey, hey. You know, you know Christian McCaffrey, right? Well, how's he feeling? Oh, you know, he, he banged up his hamstring a little bit. Maybe a little limited. Uh, see, Saquon says this innocently because he's just kind of right, right. Just talking to whoever comes up and talks to him. Now you, Evan Roberts, go and bet something on that. But that can happen anywhere. That doesn't have of to happen course. in a sports book. But just think of it. Just think of everybody's in Vegas right now. I know Saquon's out there because he's on a plane with my buddy, Alan, who was flying back to Las Vegas. By the way, on the plane was Snooky, too. Wow. <laughs> the Jersey Shore. That's, that's some a, plane that's right a great there. Plane. Yeah. It's like Snooky and the situation and JWoww <laughs> and Saquon. And, no spoilers on family vacation, <laughs> <dude>. <laughs> They're just filming out in Vegas. But anyways, this plane was loaded with all these people. But anyway, my point is, all these people are out there. And you could just have an innocent conversation because you know somebody on one of these teams, and it changes 
how that person's having that conversation bets on this game. Now, the other thing I read about the active players, because the active players on the Niners and Chiefs are not even staying by the strip. So when you think about it, they should never be on the strip. Right. Like, right. they're at hotels that are, far, I don't want to say far away, but Lake they're... Las Vegas. It's about a half an hour away. Matter of fact, that's where the Jersey Shore film family vacation. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. That is far away, then. A half hour yeah. drive, that's far away. Especially in Vegas. If you are playing for a team in the Super Bowl, you can't gamble at all. You can't play any blackjack. As soon as the game is over, you can't. <laughs> so, the moment... But the... you can't bet on sports. No, no, that you can't... Well, Wait, what are the rules on betting on sports? No. I thought you can yeah. when no. the season's over. You just Wait. can't bet on football. No, no just no. not on a team facility. On a team facility, right. So in Vegas this week, these are the rules. I just double-checked this. Okay. The players playing in the game can't gamble at all their entire time in Vegas, right. including the moment the game ends. They can't bet on any sport. Really? Even on the play home, they can't, like... Well, <laughs> once they're out of, the, all, out of Las Vegas. I know Vegas. what you're saying. I know what you're saying. The non-players in the game that have visited Las Vegas are not allowed to gamble on any sports, basketball, hockey, anything. At all, while they're in at Vegas. At all, while they're in Vegas. However, their restriction ends the moment the final whistle happens in the Super Bowl. So as soon as the game's over. So as soon as the game's over, over, they can go bet they on go St. Out, John's. Right. They go out and they want to bet on a Monday college basketball game on one of the sports books or place a future bet on the NBA. They could go do that. But the players who are not in Las Vegas, say, say I don't know, Sterling Shepard, assume he's still retired, is not retiring. If he's in Jersey and he's, he's on the in Jersey lab, and he wants to bet on, I don't know, St. John's again. Right. One Creighton. The, he yeah, can he do can, that. He can theory can do All that. Right. So just, just the guys in Vegas, Correct. they can't bet on so any sports. What I think would be difficult is, think about yourself. So you grew up, you're living in Virginia. I would assume, I'm making an assumption, tell me if I'm wrong, the thought of betting on sports probably never crossed your never. mind. Not once. Not once. It's Never not, even thought about it. It wasn't legal. Nope. And so, as Craig was even saying, if you were gambling on sports in the 90s, it was like this quote-unquote seedy underground. Right. It felt like you, the bookie and someone's going to break your legs. It's, right. how, it's how it was romanticized, even though it's right. the wrong word, on television. That's, so, that's all I knew. So think about this. At the age of 40-something, that's when sports gambling becomes popularized and you could do it on your phone. So for you as a former athlete, it's easy and understandable why you'll never, ever bet on sports. Yeah. Like, it was never a part of something you did. Nope. It became a thing when you were in your 40s. Yeah. And you were so, as an athlete, like, I'm not betting on sports. I remember when fantasy football became a thing, which wasn't really gambling, but it is kind of gambling. Right. People would be like, oh, my God, you didn't score a touchdown. I'm like, we won the damn game. (laughs) Right, right, right. Who cares? But here's the difference. (laughs) Here's where I think this is so different for the modern-day athlete. They are so surrounded by gambling, mm-hmm. and to the point where when they're 18, 19 years old, I'm not sure about the individual rules and in states, their parents, as Craig was even saying, can kind of set up an account, like yep. you can bet a little bit, and gambling is so normalized. Now you go to college, now you're playing sports, now you're a professional athlete. Making millions of dollars, by You're the way. making millions, <laughs> but you've done this, yeah. and now you can't. Yeah. And so that's far different than what you dealt with, or any athlete, really, who played in the past. Like, it was never something you associated with. It wasn't something you ever had to cut out of your life because no. you never did it. No, I, But the young modern yeah. athlete probably gambles. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, so here are the rules. You can do this here, but you can't do that there. You can't bet on this. You can bet on that. And that's why I think it's more understandable why there's going to be that quote-unquote innocent mistake. Because I think there are going to be innocent mistakes. I think some of the players that were suspended this past year, they were innocent mistakes. Yeah. Do you have, what, what is it, 21 to gamble? Or is it 18? It's 21 to gamble. 21 to gamble. But I don't even know in individual states anymore. Is that is that everywhere that you got to be 21 to gamble? I don't even know. I don't know. There's 74 different phone numbers to call depending on where you are. I don't know. I don't know anymore. <laughs> it's, it's so true. I have no idea. 
But I know it happens. Like kids in college, I know they're gambling. Right. It happens. Like and they and they don't maybe they're using sports books or how they're getting around it somehow. Exactly. But. Let's not be naive. When did you have your first drink? When did all of us have our first drink? Were we really twenty one years old? Eleven. Zima. <laughs> Are you serious? How did you get yeah. that? I, I don't even want to tell you because they will come knocking on my mother's door. Oh, oh your parents gave it to you. <laughs> yes. That's okay, by the way. That's how I had my first drink. Yes. My parents were really and smart with what they said. They said if we give it to you, it's less likely that you're going to run around and do something stupid when you're 17 years old in high school. Yeah. So it was actually yeah. a smart strategy, which I'm not against. They're so philosophy. don't arrest my parents or arrest John's parents. Way, nowadays, that's not even a thing. No. Like, when did you have your first drink is not a thing. Yeah. Okay. It no. was when we were growing up. I remember I was at the beach my senior year in high school. Senior you, year in high how'd school? How'd you get the drink, though? Just because we were at beach week. Okay. I mean, I had a drink. My girlfriend got so pissed off at me. You're going to ruin your life. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're done. And then I didn't get drunk until I was in college. Uh. My first year, my RA, Chip Roy, who's now a congressman down in, in Texas. Uh, I've heard of Chip Roy. Chip Roy. Yeah, he's on the, he's on the right side. But... <laughs> and, and, <laughs> Yeah. He doesn't mean right or wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but he brought a pony keg to wow. the dorm. So he was the RA of Metcalf, first right. And uh, actually, were we right or left? First left, I think. <laughs> first left. He brought a, he brought a pony keg. And we just got, we were young and dumb. And it was awesome. Yeah, I'm doing a keg. <laughs> Why do you say that's not a thing anymore, though? Are you saying that parents now just give their kids booze when they're 15? I, Is I that think, what you're implying? I par- yeah. I think parents are less stringent about it than our parents were really 100 percent. see i thought my parents and in sean's case even though you're 11 that's weird they were being smart in saying if we give it to you Mm -hmm. it's less likely that you're gonna do something stupid kind of now i agree my mom should have done 11 it was more like i'm dying of thirst and she was too lazy to walk back in the house have a sip of this and laugh as she spit it out but her thought process was simply you're not gonna like this and then it's gonna stick with you that you don't like this but it was Ah. zima and you put a jolly rancer in it and it was delicious i gotta be honest with you i was kicking back but two years later i was ready to go by the way speaking of booze so i told you i was at epcot this weekend yeah i had a chocolate peanut butter beer oh my god what oh my a little stout yeah I was in America, too. I was at Epcot, where they have all the countries. I was back at the American Experience, and I said, honey, I want to drink in America. She said, why the hell are we drinking in America? You can drink in America anytime you want. <laughs> I said, I don't know. We're at Epcot. Let's drink in America. So right before you go into that American show at the American Experience, I went up, and they had all these flavored beers, and I saw chocolate peanut butter, and I was like, hook me up. And dude, it was splendid. It tasted like chocolate and peanut butter. It's like eating a loaf of bread, though. That's a heavy beer. <laughs> it was heavy. It was heavy, but it was damn good, that's right. for sure. Uh, let's go to Scott on Long Island. What's going on, Scott? Hey, you doing, fellas? Yo! You know, you know, I was just listening to you talking about players and, and when and if they can bet and how they can bet. And I, I think you can drive yourself crazy. Uh, does, it, does it extend to – should it extend to family members? Uh, how deep into the family? Right. Should, I mean, the, should the, play, the, the player's father-in-law be able to bet? You know, I, I, you should Taylor Swift be able I thought she needs to. <laughs> well, um, she did. I mean, that would really create, like, craziness around. Wait, 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 hold on a second. Are players' relatives allowed to bet? Are their girlfriend? Like, what's the, what's the answer to that, though? Right. I, I don't know. Like, actually. could Taylor Swift bet on the Super Bowl? I mean, why not? She's a... <laughs> Because she may have inside information from sleeping with does. a guy on the roster. Of course she does. Right. With the amount of money she has, if she lays a bet down, 
you got to be wondering why. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but but Scott, it's a it's actually a really interesting point. Forget Taylor Swift; she's like the right. the, the popular example. But if you're a wife or a brother or a cousin of a player in the Super Bowl, are you allowed to bet? I would I would think, yeah, like the NFL can't enforce anything. Yeah, and they don't but, own you. Right, but it goes to Tiki's point of the information. Well, didn't one of the guys last year get in trouble because he was he was having someone bet for him? You're, you're thinking of the college baseball guy. That, that just came yeah, down. The coach right. of the college would call somebody else in Cincinnati. We're going to have four players sit today. Yes. He would place the big bet. And it was nobody related to him. They just found out this guy was placing an unnormal amount of money. Yeah, I, would, it, I would think that's the rule. W- what's the rule, though? Like, if Taylor Swift, we'll use her as an example, bets on the Niners, doesn't that look like, oh, maybe got information? But, but how do you police that? It's emotional that? insurance. Like, <laughs> that's me. That's what I do. Think about how many times you might read on X or Twitter one of these dumb bets. Like, somebody bet five hundred grand on the Niners to win the money line. And think about the people that would have that kind of money to place that. Most of those people are probably in some high society where they know through a trickle down some other players. So how do you police any yeah. of that? No, I, yeah. I think it's impossible to police, but I'm just following what our caller said. And even what Tiki said earlier about the dangers of Christian McCaffrey says to Saquon Barkley, yeah, my knee's a little banged up. And then Saquon Barkley is at the sports book accidentally, and, and no offense to Saquon or Christian, we're just using examples yeah. here, then just says, oh, yeah, Christian's got a banged up knee. And then all of a sudden, bets are being made. Right. Like, following that same logic, you'd run into the same problem with a brother or a I, relative of someone playing the game. Ultimately, I feel like this is not controllable. It's not as controllable as the NFL wants to make it seem. It's not. Like, right. the whole thing, I get why they're doing it, and I support the Supreme Court's decision, and I like that our state gives us the option to gamble, and I support the legalization of gambling. And look, as a father, I got to do a damn good job to make sure it doesn't infiltrate my sons. Like, mm-hmm. that's on me to figure out, and I acknowledge that. But there is so much, so much that can go wrong with this, and the league being in bed with it, and the league being in Vegas. Yeah, like, There's a lot that goes along with it. We can't just whistle by the graveyard and say everything's fine. That's ridiculous. I'd be naive. Let's go to Mike in Brooklyn. Hey, Mike. Hey, what's up? Listen, uh, ESPN starting its own uh, sports book, I heard. So how can they do it? And they'll skew bets anytime they want. All they got to do is report something that, you know, that'll change the spread. Yeah. I mean. Could that be a thing, Tiki? I mean, you think about about the sharps, like the guys that make the lines. And the information that they tried that they use and how they get it. If with ESPN, if they if they are like I don't if they're like talking about all of the issues with teams, they really can set lines. Yeah. I mean, almost unfairly. Yeah. I, that that is an interesting conflict of interest. But again, the ESPN with all the networks. They're in bed with the NFL. Oh, dude. I mean, it's hundreds of billions of dollars. They're all in bed. Right. They're, so. they're all sleeping with the gambling <laughs> because it makes them a crap ton of money. Yeah. I, you know, Craig used to say this, and I completely agree with him, and it hasn't happened yet. Major League Baseball, the sport of Major League Baseball, which we've talked about mm-hmm. how they've kind of dipped in popularity. I haven't talked about it recently at this radio station that I feel as someone that's been here full time since 2007, I feel like we talk less baseball today than we did five years ago. And that's just the nature of the sport. One thing that can really turn baseball into a juggernaut again Mm -hmm. is gambling. And Craig's always made this point because of the time in between pitches. And I have to admit, last year I was sitting at a Met game with a buddy of mine. 
and we were playing very small numbers. Okay, I just like, yeah. he was literally my friend. I don't, I don't know if I want to say his name now, <laughs> but he was betting like a dollar at a time. He was betting on every at bat, every, every at bat, like the at, result of the at bat, correct? Or like the pitch, the at bat. No, 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 that's impossible. The at bat, and so it would be like plus five hundred for a base hit, plus nine hundred for an extra base hit, uh, plus one hundred for an out, <laughs> plus two fifty for a strikeout. And I remember he did it, and again, like, ridiculously small numbers, which you better do. Because if you pick up big numbers, that'll add up. And as I started playing along with him, I was like, holy crap. (laughs) This is the future. Wow. This is the future. Wow. So you bet a dollar, you win nine? Yeah. If (laughs) if you happen to be right about the home run. And I did it for a while, and the only thing that got to me, and this is other people would love it, but it got to me, was it was just my brain kept hurting from making these decisions after every at-bat. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, screw it. I just want to watch the game. Yeah. Like, I don't want to think about this. I just want to sit back. I want to score the game. Yeah. And I want to be happy. Because it could be a four-pitch at-bat or a ten-pitch at-bat or a one-pitch at-bat. Right. And, and then, then you're making the next decision. Then you're making the next decision. And you got to do it quick. It's just like it, it was, like, breaking my brain cells. <laughs> but I also understood, yeah. like, oh, I can see how this could become a thing. How this could take Major League Baseball from this sport that – and this is not me saying this this is the public saying it it's boring who cares it's a long regular season and making it really really interesting and the proof that it wasn't going to work with me is that i don't feel that way about baseball like a game in may is exciting to me so i don't think i need it but for maybe 90 percent of people they may need it well i mean like (laughs) dicky's like sign me up for that one i'm just trying to think about the analytics because analytics could help you win that oh god so like Processing the analytics between each at bat. Yeah. That's what you would have to do to put yourself in best position to win. Or you're just making guesses every time. Yeah, but if you're just guessing, you're just playing a lottery then. Yeah, that's what you're doing. Right. But that's just, that's that's not fun. If you have a, because you can gain an advantage. Yeah, but there's a gainable advantage to be had. But do you think, let's use Sean as an example. Sean is going to sit there, and he does not have a gambling problem, by the way, but he bets on like 150 different things. Do you think he's using (laughs) analytics to decide what he's betting on? What do you think? He's Are just you? like, ooh, ooh, just like, I really think. Well, it's not, uh, there's a little bit of both. I think you can overthink the gambling with analytics. I do get enticed by some trends I might read, and I'll do a little deeper research. But ultimately, I'm going with what my belief is that will happen. Yeah, I'm talking Not, about this like yeah. in-game stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's what yeah, you're talking no, about. That's what I'm talking about. Stuff. Or like, for instance, and I'll full disclosure, I was at Lugie's house during the divisional round. And we were having fun, small dollar amounts, betting those drives, who was going to catch a pass or whatever. Huh. And With each other. With each other. It was me, Got him, it. and a couple of other buddies. Because I don't think you could do that on sports books, right? You, you don't bet on individual drives, can you? Oh, on FanDuel you can. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I've never even yeah. seen it. So, but And you get like juicy odds or whatever. So we would bet, okay, Niners drives coming up in that commercial break. Who's going to catch a pass? And we would each pick, you know, or we would go, go in on one guy. I had this basis. I'm like, you know what? George Kittle doesn't have a catch yet. They're due to get him involved in the offense. We bet it. It hit. So, like, that sort of analytical stuff based on what's happening right, in the right, game so right. far. What kind but of numbers are they? Are they the same? Like, we got, like, plus 340. So, oh, if we bet, you know, that was it. By the way, I could totally see Sean sitting with me, like, nightly at City Field, being like, I'm just going to sit there and just bet on every at-bat. Yeah. By the way, you win some, you lose some, but don't bet above your means, clearly. Well, that, look, you got to be smart about it, obviously. But, yeah, that's that's where baseball can really take advantage of it. So, I get why leagues get involved. Yeah. Because they want to make as much money as possible. And in the case of baseball, elevate their popularity. Like, the NFL's popularity didn't need the elevation. Maybe because gambling was always associated with it to begin right. with. Well, I mean, so, go back to the beginning of the, the the league. Right. That's what it was. Oh, no doubt. It just so, wasn't. 
as prevalent as it is today. You just need to be careful because mm-hmm. the integrity of the sport is the thing that can kill a sport. Right. That's the thing. We've talked about what could kill the NFL, this juggernaut that's going to have 120 million people watching the Super Bowl. And I, I think you may have brought up, you know, the rules changing or games being every single night. Mm-hmm. The integrity yeah. is the thing. That was one of that was one of the things on my list. Because it was also about the refereeing. Yes. A refereeing issue that kind of felt like it plagued the entire season this yes. year. Yes. Yes. That if you felt like they weren't good enough to call a real game or they were fixing it, that's one of the things that would turn you off the football. Jim is in Bordentown. What's up, Jim? What's going on, guys? How are we? What's good. Um, so integrity is a big thing, and that aside, I think the biggest issue that gambling faces in terms of like a a level is the collegiate level um and i was talking on when i was on hold but you know you could say that players are trying to throw games and they don't make enough money but my point to this is that there are so many student body members that are privy to information whether it's students that are in the training rooms whether it's students that are working on the sidelines so many of these kids can see who may or may not be playing and not so much on a football game because one player might not, you know, determine the outcome. Yeah. But on a basketball a good you point. know, if, if there's some working in the training room that knows right before a game that so-and-so is going to be scratched, like that can change the game. Friend, that, text a friend, and boom, like you got a bunch of people that are placing bets off of what just happened in the training room. Yeah, no, you're right about the college side of it because it's it's intimate. Like it's everybody's there. Like oh, you're yeah. hanging out with the soccer players and the – the softball players, it's everything. The the basketball team, everybody's all around each other. They, you all eat at the same spot. Right, right. So someone walks in with a cast on their hand, and it's, I don't know, the shooting guard. It's like, oh, well, I guess he's not playing. Well, it's also <laughs> easier because college kids aren't making the kind of money that professional athletes oh, are making. I mean, some of them are starting to get close. No, you're right. Like, NILs has kind of changed that. Dude, when you did think, you see the thing? Who is this? Spencer Rattler? Is that the guy I just kid I just saw? Spencer, Spencer Rattler just bought a Lamborghini. Mm. A Lamborghini. <laughs> He's in college, dude. Yeah. Actually, I think he might be leaving college, but whatever. Right. He's in college. He bought a Lamborghini. So the, those the NIL truck. deals are, yeah. Dude, they're real. Now, that may be part of a deal, but still. But NIL uh, deals, when you think about it this way, help avoid the idea that guys and kids can be paid off yeah. to throw a game. Like, the reason why... The Black Sox scandal happened. I know it's 100 years ago, but it's something we should never forget. Like, we should always learn from history is that those professional athletes, those big-time players, felt like they were being squeezed by Charlie Comiskey. They they were not getting paid. They weren't making money. No. So I'm not trying to say I defend them or I defend Eddie Sacati or Joe Jackson or anybody, but it was like, wow, someone's offering us a lot more money. Yeah. What do you do? It's hard not to... have been enticed by it. By the way, yeah. I don't know if it's Sakati or Seacott or whatever it is, but he was a great pitcher for the Chicago White Sox who had a great career. Unfortunately, he threw the World Series. He was banned. He was banned. He was one of the eight men out. Mm-hmm. When we come back, what workout is Tiki Barber going to do while he watches <laughs> the Super Bowl? Plus, this beard continues to grow because Pete Alonzo hasn't signed a contract extension. What have I told you? We have an update. On the possibility oh, stop. that I can cut my beard because the Mets and Alonzo work out a long-term deal now. We have an update. And we'll tell you exactly what it is when we come back. Evan and Tiki here on The Fan. Wishful thinking, Evan. How we doing? Evan and Tiki on The Fan. So here's the deal. I'm miserable. I'm a miserable human being because I have a rack growing on my face, which is this beard. 
Uh, I've also got gr- g- hair growing out of my head that's uncontrollable. And it's all related to Peter Jefferson Martinez Aloysius Alonzo. I want Pete Alonzo to be in New York Met for the rest of his career. Not going to get into the debate on that. You know where I stand. I think if you have a half a brain, you realize the importance of it. So I want Pete to be here. And I put it all on the line by growing this stupid, stupid, (laughs) disgusting beard out until he signs an extension. What I have been looking for over the last few weeks and last few months is a hint. Just a hint that it could happen. Because every night when I go to bed, I dream of something. And you know what I dream of, Tiki? Waking up and seeing that Pete Alonso is a Met for life? Yes! He signed a long-term extension and he's paid? Yes! I dream that whether it's the Mets text chat or it's Tiki calling me or it's my dad calling me or it's Lugie calling me or it's my wife breaking the news because she has broken sports news to me before, that someone's going to tell me Breaking news, seven years, 250, pizza met. And I'd be so ecstatic for two reasons. A, I'm a Met fan. I want him here. And then B, I get to kill the rat that's living on my face. (laughs) That's what you're dreaming of? That's what I dream of. And so yesterday, I had like a tease. They call it uh, BB. (laughs) They call it a CT. I found out that Jose Altuve, who I have great respect for, Signed a long-term contract with the Astros. Why is this a tease for Pete Alonso? I'm glad you asked. Why is it a tease? First of all, Altuve had one year left on his deal. Mm -hmm. Sound familiar, right? Yeah, Pete has a year left on his deal. Okay, similarity number one. Similarity number two. Who represents Jose Altuve? Do you know? I'm going to guess Scott Boris. Scott Boris. So the idea that Scott Boris doesn't extend a lie. And by the way, Altuve's done this twice. This is the second time Jose Altuve signed a contract extension Whoa. with a year to go with Scott Boris as his agent. And one quick thing, I apologize. When he signed that first contract extension, he dumped his agent to hire Scott Boris. To sign early. Just like Pete Alonso. To sign early. Now go ahead. What were you going to say? So my, my, my question is, Jose Altuve yeah. won championships and wants to be a, a, a Astro for life. Okay. Right? Pete Alonso hasn't won anything. Oh, and does he really want to be an Astro for I mean, a Met for life? I hope he wants to be a Met for life. He may want to be an Astro for life. Right, he he once, Pete Alonso once told me, looked into my eyes, uh-huh. and said, I want to be a Met for life. He said that. That existed. That happened. And it wasn't me and Pete in a private room. It was me and Pete and Craig at his charity event. Okay. He wouldn't just say it if he didn't mean it. Does he does he does he mean that with the sacrifice that comes with wanting and saying that you're going to be a Met for life? No, I never that said is that. a Team-friendly deal. No, I never said that. Okay. <laughs> you didn't say that. So, Jose Altuve signed a team-friendly deal. I get that. My only point. Twice. My only this point. This was only $25 million. No, it's I, Jose Altuve we're talking about. I understand. And by the way, I do want to take ownership over things I'm wrong about. I'd like to remind you when I'm right. I made a prediction about a month and a half ago that Altuve would get to free agency and Yankee fans would end up flirting with the possibility of signing him. I owe that. I was wrong. Congratulations. You get the chance to F Jose Altuve for the next five years. Mm. Anyhow, back to the point. That contract gives me hope, and it should give all of us hope, that it is not impossible to sign a long-term contract extension with Scott Boris as one's agent. Now, with that said, I promised you an update. Who else has done it? I just said Jose Altuve. Okay, other, other than Jose Altuve, who may be 
otherwise incentive to be a Houston Astro for the entirety of his career? Yeah. Anybody well, else? I'm sure I could find a few, but I'm very uh, busy right now. <laughs> I'm sure there's a few others. But I promised you an update on Pete Alonso signing a contract extension with the New York Mets, and I'm going to give you that update. Earlier today, the president of the New York Mets, David Stearns, was being interviewed by foul territory, and I want to commend those gentlemen because the best way to ask a question, and I work very hard to do this when we have our rare interviews. I do. And I get pissed off when I don't do this well. And whoever asked this question, it was A.J. Przinsky. Mm-hmm. I'm like 90% sure it's A.J. A.J., I still think overall you're a douche, but great <laughs> question. All right, so maybe I like you again. Um, very direct. So, ladies and gentlemen, enough of me talking. We will react to it. Here is a direct question to David Stearns about Pete Alonzo, and then we could all eat it up. Oh, what about Alonzo? When are we when are we gonna have the presser? David Stearns, you're up there and you got a nice new number, what is he, number twenty jersey in orange and blue. Pete, congratulations, you're a Met for life. Let's set let's set it up for tomorrow. Can we can we do, can we do it tomorrow? Can you broker the deal? Sure, I can be in Port St. Louis we'll, we'll in about an hour and forty five right minutes. Now. You guys can broker the deal and, and we'll set it up for tomorrow and we'll be done with it. Do I get a cut if I broker it? How much? What's my cut? <laughs> that's Pete's decision. That, that's Pete's decision. Um, look, Pete. Pete's a really good player. Um, he's performed on a big stage here for a long time. Uh, I know that. We all know that. I know how important he is to our fan base. Um, yeah, I think what where we are right now, where Pete is, is is we're gonna. Uh, Everyone's going to focus on this year. Um, the best thing for us is is for Pete to have a great year. The best thing for Pete is for Pete to have a great year. Um, and, and then we'll go forward from there. Um, but we're certainly, um, you know, we're, we're certainly invested in trying to keep Pete a Met. Um, and I'm hopeful that that over time we'll be able to work that out. Ugh. I'm screwed. Yeah. You're getting no beard relief. I mean, let me, let me be clear. We're not screwed that he's gone. Okay, I want to make that clear. I didn't get Pete mm. Alonso's gone. That didn't sound very, like, we want him. We're going to do everything we can to keep him here. Wait, you got out of that that Pete Alonso's gone? I got, we're focusing on this year. He's a very good player. Not yeah. a great player for us. He's a very good player, and he's important to our fan base, not to our organization. I'm just listening to the words he said. Well, how did I'm, you draw I'm, that I'm, out I'm that? just dissecting what he said. He didn't say the organization. He said he's great. He's important to the fan base. Well, he is important. He said he's a good player. He's a very good player. Very good player. And they're focused on this season. Well, okay. Okay. This is it. Yeah. What what I took out of it was my idea that I'm going to wake up to a Jeff Passan bomb that's going to allow me. By the way, I have a razor in my office. You think I'm (laughs) screwing around. If it came out in five minutes that Pete's extended, I'm literally going to run into my office. (laughs) I'm going to come back out, and I'm going to shave right here, right now. Love it. So I'm ready. Like, just understand that it's done. No build up. No, we're going to make it now. F that. <laughs> he signs. I cut All right, immediately. Can I, can I cut your hair? You could. You could do it. All, right. All on you. I'm a barber. <laughs> yeah, very good. <laughs> what I took out of that though was just go have a monster year, Pete, and then we'll pay you. And in the back of my mind, is that the likeliest scenario of how this plays out? Probably. You know, probably the yeah, Aaron Judge I mean, thing all over right. It's exactly what we said with Aaron Judge. But I don't. But we also said it's exactly what the Mets can't do and shouldn't do. Don't drag this thing out and make it anywhere near contentious. Now, I don't think it's going to get that way because mm-hmm. I think the Mets have more. 
financial freedom to pay him what he wants or at the top end of the market because it's not going to be 40 plus million dollars a year like Aaron Judge got but it'll be top end for first baseman right right and and, and they're willing to do it if he proves it and it's not going to get contentious but you never know well because when he gets to a free agency it, someone could value him more that's that's you just hit on it that's why as much as you hear even with Aaron Judge it was kind of the same thing as much as you say, oh, we'll just match any bid. Yeah. I don't worry. We're the Mets or we're the Yankees. We will be the highest bidder. All it takes is one owner and one franchise to make you say, I ain't matching that. Right. And, by and that's the way, scary. That happened with the, with the Yankees. It did. The Padres offered more. They did. And they were fortunate that Aaron Judge yes. ultimately said, you know what? You came far enough. Mm-hmm. I'm going to resign. So, unfortunately, what I took out of that Pete Alonso update is I'm effed. Yeah. Now, personally, I'm F. Now, as Met fans, if you're on my side that you want Pete to be a Met forever, I don't think we're necessarily F'd, but we're playing a dangerous game. Mm-hmm. This is a very, very dangerous game when you allow a guy to get to free agency. It doesn't mean you're definitely going to lose him, well, but it means you can lose him. Well, it's especially dangerous when Scott Boris is your agent. I know. <laughs> I'm just telling you, man. He's going to go find the biggest dollar. He, and he's gonna he's great at it. It's what yeah. he does for a living. I had this great idea. I don't know if it's gonna work. Uh we were gonna try to book Scott Boris on the show and David Stern's on the show. At the same and time and not have them know oh. that each other was on the show. Oh. Did you know about this plan? And then we were just secretly gonna be like, Okay, guys, talk. Right. And then we would just shut our mics off <laughs> yeah. and let Scott Boris right. and David Stern's awkwardly converse with each what other. You're telling them you're not allowed to hang up until you get a deal done. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Telling I love the idea that the person who books our guest, Tommy Lugar, just looked at you guys like you had 10 heads. <laughs> I've been that. in the business long enough to know the producer's the last one to know what's right. going on. But you got to admit, that's a great idea, right? I think this, yeah, you and Spike came up with a great idea. <laughs> it'd be great. It'd be great yeah, he loves that sandbag. Great radio until it ended in five seconds. <laughs> Spike has no idea. His head's so far up Philadelphia's come- ass right now. He has no idea. <laughs> wow. He's too concerned about the Sixers trade deadline. There's right. an image. I'm, 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 am I wrong? No, you're not wrong on that. I'm just trying to curious who cooked that idea up with oh, you. That's me? a great idea. I cooked it up. No, you said we, so I'm going to figure it out. Yeah, okay. me and myself. Nah. Mm. Matter of fact, right. he's doing that bit with getting Jordan Montgomery to the Phillies. <laughs> 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 That's smart. Uh, all right, so I'm depressed. That uh, Pete Alonzo update makes me think that we're not re-signing him before <laughs> the start of the Did you go a whole year? What was that? Could you go a whole year? With a beard? Yeah. I don't have no choice. We'll lose inside. year. We'll lose inside of the rules. We will eventually come to an agreement on a beard because we are getting disgusted about it. It's the hair, yeah, though. Yeah, the, the Jets are going to get him wrapped into this, and eventually the Jets yeah. are going to get him get rid of his beard. Wait, so you think that eventually I am going to cut a deal with you guys yeah. that yeah. I'll have to accept. It that won't I be will, baseball related. It it'll won't be, be baseball it'll be related. It'll be football related. It'll be football related? Yeah. I don't. can't figure I don't know yet, but. Well, we're four ways away from it. <laughs> I, I mean, it's February. Well, like, we're, we're, we're closer to that than we are from the end of the regular season in baseball. That is true. And by the way, speaking of the beard, obviously I had a chance to cut my beard last week when I played Sean in pickleball, and I lost. So obviously I can't cut my beard. But tomorrow at this exact time, at 4 o'clock tomorrow, Sean will unveil his big show decision. That's what he won mm. from beating me in pickleball. I don't know what his show decision is. I have been offered no hints about his show decision. The only thing I know is that Tiki knows what the show decision is. I do. And likes it. I do. Okay. Has, I like do, it a lot. Does Lugie know the show decision? Like, have you been informed yet? Lugie does not know. You do not know? No, I'm very nervous about it, though. Do you think Lugie will like the show decision? Um, uh, no, definitely not. <laughs> what? 
No, no chance. Oh, jeez. You, you see what you did, you little jerk, Evan? <laughs> you just couldn't be athletic for one day in your friggin' life. You couldn't put shoes on and play pickleball and beat this guy. So Lugie's not going to like the show right, decision. Right, that's the other thing we're not even talking about. <laughs> what? If you kept your shoes on, maybe you would have won. You think the shoes cost me? I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, you had less traction than Sean did. Maybe. He would have slipped. He wore sneakers that had no traction to begin uh, with. Do you think I will like the show decision? <sighs> um... Uh, will you like the show? Yeah, I think you will. Oh, you I think say. I will? So you think I'm going to sort of like it and Lugie's not going to like it? Yeah. All right, let's play a game. Say, <laughs> we're going to play a fun game. Okay. Do you think your former partner, Brandon Tierney, will like the show decision? <laughs> um, I'm going to say no. <laughs> no. Jet Life Stadium? I'm going to say no. Will... Sal Licata like the show oh, decision. Definitely not. Will Chris McMonagall like the show decision? I think maybe. Will, Suck it! Will Keith McPherson like the show decision? Uh, no. Really? No. I have no idea what the hell that uh, is. No, I don't think he will. <laughs> All right. Well, tomorrow at 4 o'clock, we'll find out whatever the hell that show decision is from Sean Morash. I very much look forward to it. We have uh, Pete Alonzo? No, breaking no. football news. Oh, Let's hear it. Tease me with that freaking sound. <laughs> who, who, who got caught in the in the in the in the sports book? Yeah, it is. Uh, it is Giants news. Mm-hmm. Brian Dable has hired an assistant head coach. Ooh, an assistant head coach. All right, Mike Kafka. No, what? So he promoted him? He promoted Mike wow. Kafka to be the assistant head coach of the football team. Uh, and they've also promoted Shane Tierney to the passing game coordinator on offense. That's interesting. And Jerome Henderson will now be the defensive passing game coordinator, but he now is an assistant head coach named Mike Kapp. Okay, so nah. what is that? How do you take that, dude? So what does that, that mean? That means we're going to let you leave next year and get a head coaching job, but you can't leave this year. Oh, that's their way of kind of softening of, that it, you didn't interview for other jobs no, that you want to interview I, for? I think it's their way of of telling him how important it is that they not lose all three coordinators. That's just me parsing right. through the nonsense. We can't lose all three coordinators in one year. We 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 need you. We're probably not going to give you play calling, but we're going to teach you, or at least Dave's going to teach you how to become a head coach. What does an assistant head coach do? They help with the decision. So, um, what's his name? Callahan. Brian Callahan was not the assistant head coach to Zach Taylor. He was just the offensive coordinator. But all of the administrative stuff, that went on with the offense and even some of the other stuff that Zach, because Zach was calling plays and designing, you know, the the game plans, um, Brian Callahan handled. So when he went in for his interview in Tennessee, like he could he could give like this executive type resume, even though he wasn't that executive. Mm. So the assistant head coach is kind of like that. Interesting. So. It's going to help prepare Mike Kafka to be a head coach. Does it mean that Brian Dable yells less at him? Um, probably not. No. So he's still going to get like just completely right. destroyed by Brian just, Dable. Just just yells at everything, <laughs> and it's fine because that's who he is. Get used to it. He's also a great dude. Yeah. So he's not yelling at you for no reason. Would you, as a player, respond well to that? Absolutely. Better better than 100%. not being yelled at. One hundred percent. So you're one of those players where like yelling at you would as pay long off. as I know that it's coming from an instructive place and not I I'm just beating you down to beat you down. So Tom place. Coughlin was a yeller? Yeah, but not really. He was just more of a disciplinarian. Right. Wasn't, he wasn't, wasn't yelling really, all the time. He wasn't yelling at you all the time. My college coach was a yeller. Was Fossil was definitely not a yeller. Fossil definitely wasn't. Yeah, yeah but, I can figure that but, out. 
George Welsh in college, he was a, he yelled it all the time. Yeah. And me in particular. One time I yelled back at him. Oh, he really? kicked me off the field. What'd you say back? Yeah, just why are you always blanking with me? <laughs> <laughs> You're not yelling at anybody else when they screw up. Like, what the hell's going on? I just wanted to make me a better player. I think I'd be better with uh, not yelling. Really? <laughs> I don't think I'd respond well to yelling. Because then I'd be urged to yell back. Well, that's, that's, the, that's the thing. Right. And sometimes that's what they want. They want you to yell back? They want you to stand up for yourself. You, you think, think Dable right. wants Kafka to basically yell back? I think I think that if you give a an informed yell back, mm. right? It's 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 smart. It's not just emotion. Right. It's actual like logic. Mm. I think you were that's if you can yell and, and be logical at the same time, which is hard, then I think it, it has a, a great benefit to disarm the yeller, right? Whoever's yelling at you. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I haven't spent that much time with Mike Kafka, so I don't know mm. what kind of what his personality is like. I don't see him as a yeller, though. I don't think he would ever yell back. Right, right. By the way, one other thing that happened in the coaching circles over the last 24 hours, and I'll get back to your calls in a second, is that Rex Ryan, who I had mentioned last week would be a great candidate mm-hmm. for the Giants' defensive coordinator job, interviewed for the Cowboys' yeah. defensive coordinator job. So, clearly, Rex Ryan, to his credit, who's doing a fine job on TV, gets plenty of attention, makes a decent amount of money, yeah. is now showing you he wants to get back into oh, coaching. He definitely wants to. But as a coordinator, because I thought for a while well, Rex was only as a head coach, and the truth was he was never going to get another head coaching job. No. His only way back was to go remind people he was a good defensive coordinator. He interviewed for the Denver job a year ago, didn't get it. Right. Now he's interviewing for the Dallas job, which is a damn good I job. Felt, I felt like there was another one, too, in there that he also that he also interviewed for. But he cl- he clearly wants to get back into coaching. Good for him. It's been a long time, though. Seven seasons we talked about? Was yes, it, it ended in 16 with Buffalo, if memory serves Yeah, correct. so seven seasons. That's a long time not to coach. By the way, Tiki, speaking of that, if you were a player on offense and your team made a move at defense, would you have known that your defensive coordinator left to be a head coach? <laughs> Uh, someone would have told me, oh, sure. So here's right. the context of what oh, Sean you know is saying. Oh, you know where I'm going, Ev? No, because I, I do want to explain it because it's fascinating. Tony Pollard of the Dallas Cowboys okay. was being interviewed today and was asked about, you know, hey, Dan Quinn left. He got a head coaching job. Yep, Washington. And to Tony's credit, Tony Pollard said, look, I got to be honest with you. I shut down my Twitter. I haven't been on social media and I just found out. Yeah. Like, you guys are telling me that Dan Quinn left. And that's he, he didn't know. He had no idea. They found out on the show today. It happened five days ago. What? Yes. Wow. But I respect. What the hell has Tony Pollard been doing? I respect that he <laughs> shut down the social media, but don't yeah. you think someone would have texted him? Like, don't you think Dak would have texted him? Well, it is a defensive coordinator, right? So it's not like it are was. Are you guys that separated from the other side of the ball? You. Not that separated, but you're just not like the moves that happen over there aren't aren't important to you, right? Dan Quinn is a he, he's not talking to the offense at all. Like you probably don't interact with him except for passing each other in the building. Yeah, but you would think some kind of group chat with him, yeah. Mike, or whatever. Yeah. Like, wow, I can't believe Dan left, and he went in division. Like that doesn't matter to them. But he's also a free agent right now, Tony Pollard. Yeah, I remember he so, played on the tag last year. So he's on the tag. Like, so he don't on. give a crap. So <laughs> not that he doesn't give it. Maybe he does give a crap, but. Right, some of these guys have become free agents when they feel disrespected because they haven't gotten paid, even right. though they deserve to. He didn't deserve after this past season because he had a bad year, but they they just like completely disconnect. I don't blame. They're, they're like, I am free. Yeah. I don't want 
I'm not giving you any advantage or any inclination that I want to be here until you give oh me the same. This so actually he ha- probably just disconnected mm. from Dallas. So I was going to say this. This actually happened to you. How long did it take you to find out John Fox got hired by the Carolina Panthers to be their head coach? Like what year was that? 2001 to uh, whatever it was. Right after you guys had made the Super Bowl. Now, there's no social media back then. I yeah. know, but think about it. So you calls, anything. I mean, I mean, I was always around, so I probably knew the next day. I right, just, because I, I would, so I would weird. always go. I would always go to the facility. Like, right. so I'd work out all off season. I, I, I have to tell you, as a human being, I'm this jealous. This is when you could, because now you can't. Right, right. Now I'm, je- you- I'm jealous of Tony Pollard. The fact he was able to check out right. that well, like I could never do that. I don't think any of us could ever do that. Like, we, well, uh, I mean, we couldn't because of our jobs. But no, but even if but, like you were on vacation for a week, could you even on vacation check out that much from the world around no, you? No, no chance. Because we were in Japan, I was still, I was abreast of what was going on over yeah. there. Yeah, you have to be, of course. Even if you don't have to be, you feel like you have to be. My favorite vacation is I was on vacation. It was the summer of 2008, and me and my dad went away. We went away to see the Mets. True story. Went to go follow the Mets, and I wanted to go back to where I used to work to say hi to some old friends. So I went back to XM Satellite Radio. I used to work at XM mm-hmm. Satellite Radio. So I had friends there. I was in the building. And you know what I found out while I was in the building at XM Satellite Radio? What's that? I had no idea this was going on. This is the way I found out about this. Now, again, I'm doing middays at WFN. I'm on vacation. I'm going to see the Mets. With I'm a loser. Dad. You can laugh at that all day, but that's what we were doing. I'm in XM Satellite Radio seeing my old friends. And then I get a real dirty look. Like, well, why am I getting dirty looks? Like, what the hell did I do? That was the day Chris Russo informed the fan that he was leaving uh-huh. to go to Satellite Radio. Oh, geez. And I was just coincidentally at XM just <laughs> saying hi. And meanwhile, that's what happened. I get back in the car because my dad didn't come in. I was like, you're not going to believe this. What's going on? So I just found out that dog is leaving. Wow. But you know he was leaving. Did I, well, I heard the rumors from Neil Best kept writing columns about it. Yeah. But none of us really believed it was true. Like, it was just him writing stuff. And no offense, Neil, if he's listening today. Like, at the time, it was just, nah, I don't believe that. Yeah. And I think at the time, we all thought Mike was the one leaking it. That Mike was the one that was going to leave. Or something of that nature. I'm trying to remember. But, so, yes, it was rumored to your point. It's right. not like it came out of left field. But that's when it, that's how I found that's when it became real. Sitting there in freaking DC at XM Satellite Radio. What are you laughing about now, Loogie? Can't call me a geek anymore, can you? I sure I sure can. I, I'm gonna go easy on you. All right. 2008. How old were you? 25 years old. I think it's very nice that you went on vacation with your old man. I appreciate that. The relationship <laughs> between. The but, 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 Evan. What? The Mets are in Queens. Why do you have to go on vacation to see them? Just because they were playing at Nationals Park that week. And then they went to Pittsburgh, and we drove to Pittsburgh. Two dumpy stadiums, let's be real. Dumpy stadiums? Yes. What? Two dumpy towns, too. Let's be honest. First of all, it was, our first, time at, it was our first time at Nationals Park, which opened up that season. And then PNC Park is a gem. What the hell are you talking about? I'm, I'm sorry, uh, no. Evan. I love you, and I know Sean does this, too. <laughs> and I love sports. Let's not get that twisted. I will not go on vacation around sports. You do that. That's cool. I just... It makes me laugh. It wasn't just sports. We went to Shanksville for the first time, which was very emotional. Mm-hmm. I went to XM to see some old friends. Is I this think- where you, uh, Freedom's ashes over Gettysburg? You uh, sprinkled no, their ashes? That's a different vacation. Gotcha. You're, dead, you're dead cat. You guys are both wrong. Yeah. Evan is not wrong for going to see the Mets in Pittsburgh in Washington. That's very cool. I think that's Thank great. You. I love doing it like that. The problem Thank is you. you don't call that a vacation. You went on a quick trip with your dad. All right, fine. Whatever the hell you want to call it. 
Bottom line was, I was sitting there at XM Satellite Radio when I felt that dog was, you know, <laughs> basically a, a two-face. <laughs> no, 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 that's not unfair. But I found out that wasn't dog he, was, you know. Wasn't he, like, kicked out of here, though? Did Mike not want him? No, you really want to get into the details of this? <laughs> no, not really. No, he left. He decided to leave him. Yeah, By the way, because Mike didn't want him. No, that wasn't it. Okay. They probably started hating each other at that point. Well, but that's, I, that's kind of what I heard. That's what I remember. Wait, that Mike kicked him out? That they hated each other. Well, yeah, they hated each other, so sure. something had to give. Yeah, but we didn't know he was going to leave and go to XM to take more money. Oh, By the way, he's still there. It's like someone that cheats on you, but then you marry them. So Dog cheated on us with Satellite, but they've had a great relationship, and now you look back on it, and you're like, you know what? But he left. He it's didn't, okay. He wasn't, like, working there when right. he was here. Thank you, Tiki. The right? best part of that story is that Evan also found out he wouldn't be replacing Dog because it was his dad who told him Dog was <laughs> <laughs> Wow, well, I never thought that. Let's go to uh, Joe in Milford, Connecticut. What's up, Joe? Hey, guys. Evan, you got a big problem, my friend. What's up? Well, David Stern is doing you ugly. By the time they sign Alonzo, you're going to have enough hair on your face. You're going to make ZZ Top look like a prepubescent boy band. <laughs> no, I know. It's I not happening. David, the too. other thing is, yeah, yeah the, second, the second thing is, you got to remember, Alfonso has the same agent as the midget over in, in Houston. Well, first of all, don't call him that. <laughs> and that man, that gentleman, that future Hall of Famer, arguably the greatest second baseman of all time, just signed a contract extension. Okay? That's what gives me hope, that Jose Altuve, who I have nothing but respect for, one of the great all-time players, one of the great all-time competitors, just signed an extension. And his agent is Scott Boris. It's not impossible. Now, what, jokes aside, what I want to know what I really, really want to know, Teak, and I don't know the answer to it, mm. is are they engaging in discussions? It didn't sound like it. Like, are they even speaking about it, parameters? I like, guess, hey, this is what we I would need. It. This is what we uh, would need. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm really looking through the vines here, and 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 the weeds are thick, and there's no inclination here. But listening to what David Stern said, it didn't sound like they were talking about anything. For now, it felt like. Let's get through the season, and then we'll have this conversation mm. in free agency. You, Scott Boris, you really want to test the market, and you said so when you when you first got hired by Pete Alonzo. We're going to force you to play this season and then see what the market would pay you. That's what it sounded like. See, that's today. very discouraging. If there's right. not even conversations, that see what I thought would judge last year, two years ago now, was the sense I always got was that the Yankees were aggressive in trying to keep them. And Judge didn't seem that interested in signing a long-term contract. It was well, almost felt as if Judge was, eh, I'm a year away from free agency. Mm -hmm. I want to get there. And that's but, the sense I got going into that opening day. Yankees made an offer. Even Cashman publicized what the offer was. And what we never found out, and we still don't know, was did Aaron Judge counter? Mm -hmm. Did Judge's camp say, okay, thanks for the offer. Here's what we want. And I'm convinced to this day, he never did. Yeah, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember what the offer was. Cashman right. made it public on opening day. I know, remember? and I just don't remember what it was. But uh, I think a, it was like two something. But it's a it's a far cry from where it ended up. Correct. So because Aaron Judge had I think, sixty some on home. So I I think it it might have been one of these situations where it was so off of what they were thinking. It's like we we can't negotiate. I, by the way, that's fine. Is that discussion even happening with Pete? Yes. I don't see. 
the thing is, Pete, like if Scott Boris said, "Look, if you're not talking about 350 million, we're not going to discuss it." And the Mets are far off, and they're like, "Well, then we're not going to discuss it." Okay, fine. I mean, Have they even had that discussion? You can't give him 350 million. I never dollars. said that. I'm asking you right. if that's what Scott said but, to David Stearns. Have they at least had that discussion? So let me let me ask you: Where what do you think Pete gets in the open market? 250. Exactly. So okay. when we were talking about Aaron Judge. It was much more than the two fifty. Well, he's a better and, player. And it, I guess, of that. course. So it was in the two hundred or or, or three hundred and sixty million dollar range is what everybody was thinking. Mm. And so when when the Yankees released this number on opening day two years ago, it was like, man, you were so far off what even we as late people were thinking. Right. So that's insulting to Aaron Judge. So why is he going to have a conversation with you when you're insulting him? So here's what I do know, in all seriousness. I know that the Mets made an offer to Pete Alonso, and this is like a year and a half ago, so it's okay. very, very old news, that Pete's camp was insulted by. That it was like, are you freaking kidding what me? What was it? It was under two? It was, no, <laughs> yeah, it was under two. <laughs> it was in, it was basically Brandon Nimmo's contract. Oh, wow. Okay, and so... Their camp didn't respond because it was like, you're not even close. Right. And so I think that's what happened with Aaron Judge. Now the I question agree with is, you. Now, the question is, is that happening now? But that's what I want to know because what I'm telling you, what I just told you, is old news. It's a long time ago. Yeah. It's it's almost irrelevant. Maybe it's I, maybe it's an idea of how much more he wants. Yeah. But my but, point is, are there discussions? Because the one thing that can't happen, Tiki, is you can't make a deal if no one's having conversations. But, it, but it's still, it sounded like with Stern. And again, he may just be a great poker player. We feel like because Casman's been here so long, Brian Casman, we know what he's saying when he's whatever he says. Like we've heard it so many times, we know exactly what he's saying, even if he's not saying something. Whereas with Stearns, we don't know what he's saying. Right? He could be legitimately saying, "Yeah, we're just we kind of are agreeing to push this thing to the end of the season," or we're, "I'm throwing you off the scent, so you have no idea what's going on." And we're secretly working on this behind the scenes. Right. We, I don't, oh. we don't know. Oh, don't, 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 ting, don't tingle me, but, Tiggy. But the, but the problem here is, Evan, is that David Stearns comes from a small market Milwaukee Brewers like organization where they don't spend money. No, they have. They signed Christian Yelich after trading for him. Yeah, so he's done it, it before. And, and it was fantastic when he won, a, won the MVP, but then he was, he's was he been terrible since so then. So you're telling me that's going to scare him off? Maybe. I'm, I'm being serious. Can't Maybe. Be scared. Can't be scared in life, Tiggy. Oh my God! What I, I would know you do. love him because he's a New York guy, and I love he, him for been, a lot of reasons. And, I love him also. And, by the way, I'll tell you another reason and he why. Man, it's a great small market organization. Oh, and they made Stearns? the playoffs. He turned it know. around in three years. It's like, all right, he's the, he's that guy. New York is a different animal. No, I get that. And it's and a different. I job. think Scott Boris knows that New York being a different animal means that there's more money here, that there is more expectation here, and that there's more opportunity for his client to get paid here, and so. David Stearns is not going to get taken advantage no, of. No, I get that. Look, the reason why I love Pete Alonzo, and it, it makes perfect sense as a Met fan, is I've had too many of these guys taken away from me, and I'm sick and tired of it. I'm sick and yeah, tired of it. that's emotion. No, okay, well, emotion's a big part of being a fan. Of like, course What do you is. want me to tell you? Like, but David Stearns can't afford to be a fan. No, no, but sometimes decisions have to be made because they're smart. They mm-hmm. have to be made because you're trying to win. But then there's a part of your decision that has to be made to keep people happy. And let me tell you the dead honest truth about Steve Cohen. 
the main reason I was excited Steve Cohen bought the Mets was not stealing Juan Soto from mm-hmm. the Yankees or signing this guy from Japan or signing that guy. The reason I was deeply excited when you broke the news, you broke that story <laughs> that Steve Cohen was buying the team, is so that crap like elite players leaving doesn't happen again. Yeah. Okay? It. Tom Seaver doesn't happen again. Daryl Strawberry doesn't happen again. Jose Reyes doesn't happen again. Zach Wheeler doesn't happen again. And by the way, I'll say his name, and I'll say his name even though I know they made the right decision to let him go. So Jacob DeGrom doesn't happen again. Like, Pete Alonzo is Jacob DeGrom on steroids. Mm. You want to know why? why? Because with DeGrom, I understood it. I understood the concerns about his health. I'm not an idiot. Right. I got it. Well, I understood the idea of maybe he doesn't want to be here as much as we think. In Pete Alonzo's case, there's no sign okay. that he isn't going to be the All greatest right. position player that ever played for this team. There's none of that crap. No, there isn't. So I don't want to hear it. There isn't. But we always bring this up in football. It comes up so often it's almost nauseating because it maybe it's true, maybe it's not. We always talk about new head coaches, new general managers wanting their guy. And it's usually the quarterback. But in this case, it's the star player. The biggest player is usually the quarterback. In, the NFL, in Major League Baseball, it's your star. For the Mets, it's Pete Alonzo. But Pete Alonzo isn't David Stearns' guy. That shouldn't, that shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter. But does that come into play? Because... We don't know what his evaluation, his independent baseball evaluation of of Pete Alonso is. Like we know what Pete has done because we've watched him for the last seven years or six years. But what does someone coming in with a fresh set of eyes look at Pete Alonso and say? It's, a guy plays 150 games and it's a ton of home runs. Right, it's a yeah. pretty easy scouting report, right? But he's he was an okay first baseman. He's yeah, gotten he better worked, every okay, single year. He worked his ass off last year to become yeah. come come closer towards. You know, that, that higher-end status. He's not anywhere near a gold-glove first baseman, but he is he worth $300 million? And their answer is probably no. So this is a negotiation based on new eyes on an, an old, not-there pro- prospect who's kind of made good. You know what I mean? It's different in, in, in how we evaluate Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge and, and Hal and, and Cash, they knew him from jump. They brought him here. They developed him. He became a superstar. They knew they had to pay him. They insulted him. It, they got the free agency, and they did the right thing when it mattered. That might not happen with Pete Alonso. It, it might not. Why are not. you smiling when you say that? What the hell's wrong <laughs> because with Because I just, I like chaos. Oh, what? <laughs> and so, That's how he is. And, and, and I like chaos. And I'm not a Met fan, so I will enjoy watching the chaos, particularly emanating from the seat next to me Dude, if this I, should happen. I could have sworn. That when I accused him of smiling, he was going to say, no, I'm just happy. Like, shut up, man. You're wearing a, a T-shirt that say positive vibes only. I'm just a, I'm mediating that. I'm mediating that. I'm emanating that. Yes. Or something of that yes. nature. And instead, this guy responds, I love chaos. I do. I want you to suffer. No, not suffer. Oh, I, I just, I just, yes! I just want to feel your reaction. I got a rat living on my face because I want Pete Alonzo to be a Met forever. And I, and like I genuinely it. want him to be a Met forever. And you're smiling about, well, you know, maybe David Stearns doesn't like him. Well, I genuinely <laughs> like your beard, too. All right, now answer the question. Yes. What physical activity are you going to do while watching the Super Bowl? Are you going to, like, lift weights or something? I think I might do a 1,000 (laughs) push-ups. A 1,000. It's it's hard, right? Every break, I kind of do push-ups here. I can can do about 40 to 50 in a setting. How long is it going to take me to do a 1,000? Well, think about how many commercial breaks you need. I can only do it during commercial breaks. All right, so we got a 1,000, and let's say you could do 40 per... That means you need 25 commercial breaks. That's easy, dude. Mm. Oh but my am I going to get fatigued? Am I going to be so worn out 
that I don't want to do them anymore. Dude, I'm worn out by hearing about this. You Thousand in, push-ups. You inspire me, Tiki. I do have a plan What's that? on Sunday as well to get the exercise. You're going to put your Peloton in the middle of the living room? No. It's all about muscle movement. Yeah. Everything I eat, every single wing, chicken tender, piece of hero, <laughs> I am going to hold it in my hand and do at least eight curls before it enters my mouth. There's no chance. And then you're just, I'll switch three. hands. The aroma's no. going to go up into your left nostril and you're just going to be like, no. oh, no, 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 no. curl per bite. Curl provide. You're going right, to be eating good. them W's like Jameis Winston. <laughs> yes, that's right. We'll get back to your calls next, 877-337-6666. Plus, you may not have heard this. James Dolan is back, and he's interfering with one of your garden teams, and it's not the team you're thinking of, and I promise you, you're going to be annoyed. If you're listening on WFN, you just heard a traffic update, and that traffic update was that the president's in town. Let me just say this, and this is not political. If I ran this city, I would ban presidents from being allowed in New York City. I'd run on that. They are not allowed in the city because whatever you're doing causes more havoc than the good you're doing. So get the hell out. Just stay in D.C., go to Martha's Vineyard, go to where it, just do not come to New York City. Because I don't care who you are, when you come to New York City, you cause a massive but, amount of traffic. But all the money is here. They have to be here. But here's the other problem. And we talked about this last week. If you come to New York City for the president, don't come on a Wednesday. It's the one day everybody comes to work. That's true. <laughs> That's, That's a good, good idea. You know what? I mean, let me change that. You're allowed in New York City if you're the president. It can only be on a Saturday or Sunday. Right. <laughs> That's it. Or Friday. Friday. The problem is they come on Wednesday because that's what everybody's at work. No, nah, I know. That's the one day a week where people work in New York City. Anyhow, real quick, before we get back to your calls, this is a very, very important piece of information that I think every New Yorker would be interested in. And for the hockey fans out there, really, you're going to want to perk your ears up because this affects you directly. But I think every New York fan will be interested in a report that appeared on TSN mm. concerning the New York Rangers and the trade deadline. Take a listen to this audio and take a listen to why the Rangers may not be willing to trade a first-round pick this season. I understand the Rangers want to add before the deadline, but there are some complications that might get in the way. Yeah, including their first-round pick in 2024, and you're right, the New York Rangers would like to add a forward. I'm told that they did make an offer on Elias Lindholm, formerly of the Calgary Flames, now the Vancouver Canucks, but that offer clearly wasn't accepted. James Dolan, the owner of the New York Rangers, wants to protect the 2024 first-round pick so that the Rangers can be part of the spotlight at the draft in the sphere because Dolan is also the owner of the sphere in Vegas. Doesn't mean that GM Chris Drury can't use another first round pick, maybe in 2025 or acquire <laughs> one, but the Rangers want to be part of the spectacle in Vegas. This could be the first time ever the location of a draft could have an impact on a team's roster decisions. <laughs> Hold on a second. So, I didn't know this, but the NHL draft next year, or this upcoming year, is at the Sphere. Yeah. Is it the Sphere or the Sphere? Sphere. So sphere. I said it right? Sphere. 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 Now, I think the sphere is completely badass. I think it's awesome. Like, what they're even doing this week at the Super Bowl, every night they're changing it into a different Super Bowl ring, or maybe they're doing it every five minutes. Yeah. Although they had the problem today. Well, what happened today? Somebody climbed on top of the sphere and couldn't figure out how to get down. <laughs> how do you climb up there? How do you get up it's, there? It's on, it happened. They had to basically shut down the whole area. Though. Oh, I don't know about that. Did the guy get off? 
uh, I think he still be could be trying to get down. It's Are an ongoing serious? thing in Vegas. Well, yeah. I don't want to laugh about it. I hope he's okay. I know, dude. You could, like, die falling off that thing. Well, of course. I'm assuming they have something help, coming to help him. Well, all I know is I think the sphere is badass. If I'm ever in Vegas again, I want to see the sphere. So I give Dolan credit. That's a wonderful place. He's telling his general manager. <laughs> in a year in which the Rangers, I would make the argument, and maybe we'll have this discussion a different day, that the Rangers are the New York sports team closest to winning a championship. Mm-hmm. I could make that argument. In fact, I would make that argument. You're telling your general manager, you can't trade a first-round pick this year, not because I love the draft, not because I love some of the kids being available, <laughs> You can't trade that pick because the NHL draft, by the way, an event no one gives a rat's ass about except for Sean and 12 other people. Right. What's the point? Because it's at the sphere. I know, but what's the point of the being at the sphere? What does that have to do with the Rangers having or not having a first-round pick? Well, he doesn't want this they- big hockey event at the sphere to not include his team. If they don't have a first-round pick, they're not involved in the event. That's what he's saying. Tiki, I'm going to go on an assumption that out of all of us here, you have the nicest house. Okay? I'm just going to make that assumption. Okay. What's the one thing in the house you're, like, most proud of? Mm, Most proud of? I'm just trying to relate this to you. Is it the two bathrooms in the master bedroom? Yeah, let's call it that. I, Sean comes over to your house for the first time. Yeah. Sean, come on. Let me show you. That. This is how it works up here. That's what Dolan, old Dolan cares about. <laughs> he wants all the hockey owners to come into the sphere, his house, yeah, and he it? wants to show off that the Rangers are okay. also using a first-round pick there. But, but what hap- What Does it matter if my wife is there? Right? Because that's, like, that's, what, that's what we're talking <laughs> about here. <laughs> so the Rangers are your wife? I don't know. Maybe my well, analogy makes no sense. No, but it doesn't. No, but it does. So the the Rangers are my wife. Okay. Does it matter that Tracy's not there if I show off my nice house and my dual bathrooms, my master bedroom? It shouldn't, but the James exactly. Dolan. That's does. my point. That's my point. It doesn't matter if you're coming to see my house. It doesn't matter if my wife is there. If you're coming now, to see coming, the now, sphere, if you're coming to see my wife, right? It does matter that she's not there. The bathroom would have to be there, right? And the bathroom's not leaving. So what you're saying is, if you're going to see the sphere because of the NHL draft, who cares if the Rangers are taking yes. a teenager out of Canada? Yes. Right? Who cares? But he wants to go up on stage, hold the jersey. Look, this is my palace. Right. This is my team. It's I all can an do that anyway. I I want to be very fair about this. Okay, we have a lot of sports teams in this town. Mm -hmm. And some sports teams in this town feel like they don't take and face the same scrutiny as other sports teams in this town. Uh, Maybe they face more than others. Hockey is disrespected in New York City. I'd be the first to tell you. So I'm going to show it the proper respect when I say this. Okay, please do. If an owner in this town is refusing to allow his general manager to do his job because of a show, that's taking place in June, that's a disgrace. Right. What's so, the rating on that show, by the way? I, I don't know, and it ain't high. And look, exactly. I want to be fair. There are very serious allegations against James Dolan. And if those are true, I am certainly more outraged about that than the way he's interfering with his hockey team. But we'll find out if that's true. We'll find out as that case continues. If this case is true, that this owner is telling his general manager... You can't use that pick because I got people coming to my living room in late June. That is ownership malpractice. If John Mara or Woody Johnson or Steve Cohen or Hal Steinbrenner pulled this kind of crap, we'd be losing our minds. So, Sean Morash. You are a Ranger fan, a real one, yes. not a Fugazi one, a real one. The now, resident 
Ranger the fan. resident Ranger fan. Bitch, New York Ranger At fan. For Evan and Tiki. How are you not, like, disgusted by this? Of course I'm disgusted by it, Evan. Whether the Rangers should or should not trade their first-round pick, depending on who they get, is irrelevant here. What's relevant is... James, all you've cared about is the Knicks forever. You got them dangling here with Jalen Brunson. They're finally in the mix. Can you leave us the heck alone? Leave us alone. Enjoy your sphere. Nobody cares if we have the first-round pick there. You know what's a better thing to show off at the sphere? Have the whole current team come up hoisting the Stanley Cup like one giant middle finger to every owner in the sphere. That's true. So how about do that? How about go all in for a championship? It's been 30 years. How about embrace the fact that this could be the spring of 94 all over again? Stop worrying about picks because you built a giant snow globe in Vegas and you have a useless event coming there. Very good. I'm proud of you. Yeah, good job. Could you imagine if, because right now John Mara gets, and I've told you about this, Tiki, there's a lot of Giant fans that don't trust John Mara. They think he's like meddling behind the scenes because he wants Daniel Jones to be the guy. Yeah. Could you imagine if a story like this came out where he's like, hey, Joe Shane, I'm sorry, whatever you do, whatever you do. But it's it's hockey. But it's the Rangers. I know, but it's the hockey. Like, it ain't, it's, I I know, but. So the question is, is there outrage here? Yeah, here's why I think there's going to be outrage, because I think we did did a good job by showing some light on it. Yeah. I don't know how many people knew. From the resident uh, Ranger fan. That's right. Thank you, Sean. Like, because I don't know if anybody knew this. There's a report on TSN. Like, I wouldn't have known this if if, if this report hadn't come out. Who would have known this? But when I saw this and heard this, I'm like, holy crap. Really? You're not going to let your general manager make a trade because we got this fear in June and we need people to show up? Oh, my God. Where was the draft last year? Who the hell knows? Some guy's backyard. <laughs> it was somewhere in Canada. I'm pretty sure. Right. Is there, that's Canada. my point. Exactly. Ice skating rink, maybe. <laughs> I mean, who the hell knows? And who did we draft? Who did we? we Good you, kid. I think his last name is Parole. You don't He's even know. Out. You don't even know. <laughs> I think it's Gabe Parole. I got to look or Matt Parole. Don't even know. He's a Rangers fan. Well, because, and he doesn't even know. Yeah. To be fair, I wouldn't know Spencer Jones if he fell on me either. I'm you a Yankee didn't fan. didn't even know. Who did the Giants draft last year in the first round? That's exactly. different. That's different. Exactly. Hey, Football back. and basketball are far different when it comes to the draft. But I, I noticed what you just did. Let's What's just that? call you out. You said we. Were you a Ranger fan? No, I'm just, uh, I'm just helping with Sean. D. Okay. Okay. Just make it sure. By the way, if you're a Ranger fan, that's fine. We 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 respect you. How early into the third period would you leave? <laughs> there's <laughs> a third, make it there's th- a third period. <laughs> Comes after the second period. Let's go to Jose in Staten Island. What's up, Jose? How you doing, Tiki Evan? I'm good. Uh, guys, how you guys doing? We're doing well. I'm What's curious. Up? I'm curious. You guys are talking about Lonzo and his contract and ten, you know, possibly two hundred fifty million. Yeah. Now, what would he have to hit? Because imagine a typical Alonzo year, not the year he had last year, average-wise, which was like 224, 2-something. Yeah. He usually hits about 250, let's say 40 to 50 home runs. But how about if he has like a judge year, oh. hits 280, yeah. and also hits almost 55, 60 home runs? Yeah. Now you're talking about Boris is going to salivate and want to do well, And then what about if you're into the trade thing? Because now, you know, the trading thing is early. Mm-hmm. Now, and you're in the middle of a playoff run, would you trade him no. to get some assets no. now? No. Because no. you don't know if you're going to no. sign him at the end of the year. No, no, but I'm, say, I'm, say, not, I'm not trading him, period. Right. It's not It's not if you're, if you're in a playoff run. The question, though, Evan, if the Mets stink, mm. they're just bad. Yeah. On the table, by the way. Could happen. Right. Huh. And Pete Alonso can bring back, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Are you doing it? No. 
I want to sign him. Okay. And this, and, and I think it's a fantasy to think you could trade a guy away and then sign him a few months later. Those are really, really, yeah, really rare. If, if it doesn't team, happen. If a team, yeah, like the Mets two years ago, yeah, two seasons ago, yeah, are a bat away from really being viable. No, I don't want to trade him. You wouldn't trade him. First of all, I'm trading him for prospects. I have no idea what those prospects are going to be. And unlike Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, where I'm using my pocketbook to in- increase the prospects. I'm talking about a guy who's 29 years old in the prime of his career is one of the best sluggers in baseball. I have no interest in trading him. Yeah, but you, could, you could trade him. I don't care. In a, in a dead season. Yeah. And, and then do what? And then sign him back in free That's agency. That's a fantasy. <laughs> You're a sports talk radio caller. Didn't, didn't, didn't. Aroldis Chapman? Yeah. Yankees That's the one Rolls example. Like, okay, dude, it happens. Okay, it rarely happens. It rarely, rarely, obviously, if you told me the future... And said, hey, good news. You could trade him. You get those lottery tickets. And then you sign him at the end of the year. Sure, fine. It doesn't happen. It's a rarity. Okay. So my answer is no. But I, but he brought something up. Like, what if he has a big year? Like, what if he matches what he did his rookie year? He had 53 home runs. He had a 940 OPS. What happens? What happens? I got good news for you. And I never understood this, but this is the reality. Pete Alonso gets treated like crap by the analytics community. Just treated like garbage. He has average wars. It's always like not as good as you think it is, despite watching him every day. Mm-hmm. He never gets respect. But isn't so, war statistical? Yeah, but it's 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 like a, it's a lie, dude. Yeah. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Uh, he made a joke, <laughs> but I'll give you the reality. How do you figure out war? Uh, How do you figure it out? No, go down that rabbit hole and then get back to me. Just don't do it I on mean, air. Just do it private. <laughs> I just don't know who the replacement players are. <laughs> my point is, my my point is, he doesn't get treated that well, even in big years, by the analytical community, and that could keep his numbers down, where he may not get the three hundred million dollars you're scared of. Anyhow, it's five o'clock. Cinco de Fivo with Evan and Tiki on the fan. <laughs> what made you laugh? What's so funny? <laughs> my joke just killed me. Your uh, joke. He's laughing at himself. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't me telling Tiki, just don't tell me. Well, that I love too, because he'll come in tomorrow with the whole thing. But uh, all right, anyway. Sickle Tick 5 was brought to you by Helix Wireless, connecting everything everywhere. And by Wendy's. Try the new pretzel baconator today, as we did. Delicious lunch. All right, Tiki. Yes. You ask for homework, I deliver homework. Let's hear it. After yesterday's discussion, I'm about to deliver you my favorite five non-giant Super Bowl moments of my lifetime. Non? What? Okay, say that again. You wanted, I said, all the great Super Bowl memories, yeah, all the great yeah. NFL memories of Super Bowl games. I'm giving you the non-giant ones. So we're not, we're oh, t- no it. Tyree, no oh, Manningham. Those are easy. It. They'd be one and two. Got it. All right, here we go. Here we go. Number five. Super Bowl 44. Sean Payton's onside kick to start the second half. Mm, baller. Baller move. It's They're- funny. Every Super Bowl, I think you can boil down to a moment. To a play. Fair or not. Like, it comes down to one play that you remember. And of that Super Bowl between New Orleans and Indianapolis, a Super Bowl I had a very tough time getting into because my team lost in the title game. Mm-hmm. That's the moment. Yeah. Very simple. Onside kick. And that moment is also a moment that reminds you why not to have or be at Super Bowl parties if people don't care about the game. Think about how many people probably missed that moment because it was their only chance to go to the bathroom because of <laughs> half times and commercials and everything it's else. 30 minutes. First play right out of the half. You were probably barely sitting down. You missed the onside You know what Tiggy was doing? He was benching 450 oh, as that right. play happened. Good point. Right. Right. Back in those Number days, four. Super Bowl 43, the James Harrison pick six. Yep. That's right. another one. 99 yards, 18 seconds left and a half. Kurt Warner's Cardinals were down 10-7, threw a pass to the one-yard line, and boom, remember Harrison chugging for 99 yards. Very underrated Super Bowl, and I think it's underrated because the one before that was yeah. obviously the Giant Patriot one, and I think we all walked away from that saying, yeah. boy, how can anything match it? 
But that Steeler Cardinals Super Bowl after the 08 season, one of the great ones. Hold that thought. Okay. Just hold no, that I'm thought. I'm holding it. In a time capsule. Number three. Super Bowl 49. It's Malcolm Butler's interception at the goal line. Mm. I'll tell you, I think that's practiced. Number, I think that's number one. The thing really? that makes it great is he pra- they practiced it. We have the video of him, like, doing it in practice. Practicing it or stealing signs? Which one? Or both? <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> Just stealing the ball. All right. Put it this way. That's a whole. That's a legacy moment. Yeah, me, I think right? that, to me, if I'm doing my, I think that's number one. Yeah. I'd be surprised what could top that. Go ahead. All right. Here we go. Number two. It's Super Bowl 34. It's Kevin Dyson getting tackled at the one-yard line by Mike Jones. That's number two for me. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah that's I, a big one. And to be honest, I was the seventh grader when this moment happened. I knew I loved the Giants. I was raised to love the Giants. I had watched so many Giant games. That was the moment where I truly realized how in love with football I was, not just what the Giants. What kind of sucked was he gets in the end zone. They kicked the extra point. We would have had at that moment our very first overtime Super Bowl game, yeah. which we had to wait another decade and a half for. Right. What do you, and by the way, same playoffs as the Music City Miracle. It was a great run. All right, here we go, number one. Number one. We go back to Super Bowl 43. It's the Santonio Holmes toe-drag touchdown in the final moment. So you're going the- two uh, plays from that Super wow. Bowl. So that sets up what you were saying, Evan. This Super Bowl pisses me off. Because, as a Giant fan, we come off Super Bowl 42. We couldn't even let it sit there. And anybody who wasn't a Giant fan came right out after this Super Bowl and said, that's the greatest Super Bowl I've ever seen. And it annoyed me because part of me agreed with them. Right. And how dare you take the limelight away from David Tyree yeah. and the Giants beating the undefeated Patriots. But think about those back-to-back Super Bowls we had. It bothered me that we had such a great Super Bowl after such a memorable Giant Super Bowl. That's you know, a- and that's Antonio Holmes' touchdown was not a touchdown. What? His, his back foot never touched the ground. His back foot was on top of his his pointed foot. Really? Go look at it again. Well, Tiki's clearly been down that rabbit hole. <laughs> I trust because it's 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 the wrong throw. Ben Roethlisberger makes the wrong throw. <laughs> I'm serious. The tight end is dragging. He should just throw it to the tight end. Instead, he fires it into this little like keyhole of a shot to get uh, it to Santonio San Holmes, what you're doing here. and it pulls him off off the ground. Yeah. His left foot is on the ground. His right foot is on the back of his left foot. I see what you're doing here. So. No, no, you got an agenda. Yeah. What's my agenda? You got a pro Eli agenda. I see what no, you're doing. No, I was at that Super Bowl. Actually. Yeah, you're saying it's yeah. a bad throw by Ben. They shouldn't have won the game. And if you take that championship away from Ben, Eli's better. That's what you're doing. <laughs> he no, was no, also no. a Kurt Warner teammate. He wants to have Warner have another one. That too. Yeah. I wasn't better with the Arizona Cardinals. That, that game. You got a whole agenda going on. Yeah. You got a pro Kurt Warner. On, 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 uh, what's a wide receiver? I'm forgetting his name now. Anquan uh, Bolden? No, the other one. Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald. The other one. The, <laughs> the Hall of Famer. The Hall of Famer, yeah. Uh, so that is Cinco de Fuego today and every day, 5 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. But that list is yeah. just another reminder that Evan is so wrong when he says we've already had our last football Sunday. Think about all those all moments right. that technically shouldn't count because football's over. What's your, what's your over. favorite moment? Well, a favorite is not the way I would. Favorite? Yeah, your, your favorite, memorable. most memorable moment Okay, from a Super Bowl. So it's not my favorite, but I'm a wrestling fan. And sometimes the heel winning just sticks with you more yeah. than the face finally accomplishing it. Right. Like last year, I got to tell you, one of my favorite WrestleMania moments of all time was last year. Seeing Roman Reigns beat Cody Rhodes. <laughs> oh, it cracked me up to no end. My son was upset. Everybody on social media was upset. Cody, Cody. Like, I loved it. Now, I didn't love what I'm about to describe, but sometimes the heel winning is most memorable. He nailed it. Okay. The interception. The Seattle-New England Super Bowl in which if you just hand the ball off to Marshawn Lynch, it's likely that those evil sons of bitches lose. (laughs) And that interception was like the ultimate heel move in which you're stunned. Like you're sitting there like, are you effing Mm. kidding me? Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. in a lot of ways, that result was more stunning than the Atlanta game with New England yeah. in which they blew the big lead. You because already know. You, you could see it coming. Like, you felt the collapse coming. Yeah. I'm sitting there, and I'll never forget where I was. I'm in my apartment in Long Island City. Me and my wife are now together. We weren't married yet. She's sleeping in the other room. <laughs> and I'm standing up like, we're going to beat those bastards. And when he dropped back and threw, like, slow motion. I'm watching this play just transpire. So I can't say it's my favorite. Obviously, it made me miserable. And I then screamed at the top of my lungs the F word. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Which, by the way, I've only done that twice, like where I've screamed the F word uncontrollably. And I'm going to give you the two moments. Okay. You ready? Go ahead. Uh Uh-huh. Malcolm Butler interception. Right. It's a tough one. I'm sorry, Lugie. Alex Gordon home run against Jerry Risfamilia on the quick pitch, game one of the 15 World Series when they tied the game. Oh. Those two moments caused uncontrollable, like not sadness, yeah. just F, F, <laughs> F. And my wife was like, what the hell is happening? And by the way, those two events not yeah. separated by that much time. No, you're They're right. within like 10 months of each other. And not to dangle you a little further with a bad Met moment, but that moment the Malcolm Butler touchdown also created and the NFL's version of the Andy Chavez catch which is the Jermaine curse catch Completely forgotten. Uh, Completely yeah. forgotten. Yeah. If the Seahawks win that game, the curse catch gets ranked up there with the Tyree and Holmes catch as the greatest plays in Super Bowl history. 100%. Yeah. And by the way, on that note, I want to wish a very happy birthday to Andy Chavez. Oh, how it all ties together. Nice little I, bow. I didn't you know that. I, I don't know. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, Sean. Seriously, how do you know that? that. Uh, my favorite Super Bowl moment, though, yeah. I don't know. Like, that's the funny thing. I think the heel winning sometimes jumps right. out at you more than anything. So my, my most memorable moment, because I was a red, a Washington fan back then. Yeah, yeah. Right? So I just, Joe Theismann had won in 82 season, 83 Super Bowl. Damn, you're old, man. Right? I am old. But that was the John Riggins one. Remember the jersey getting ripped off? Yeah. Like, everybody remembers that. So the next year, they're trying to, to Sean's definition of a dynasty. Oh, they got killed by the Raiders, though. Exactly. They're trying to go back to back. Right, right. So in that game, Marcus Allen takes a handoff. He bounces left. Like, he's going – it's like, oh, he's nowhere to go inside. He goes all the way to the left side of the – outside the tackle box. Reverses field, comes all the way back to the right side, sticks his foot in the ground, and goes like 58 yards for a touchdown. Mm. It was the greatest run in Super Bowl history. How old were you when that happened? I was 14. Okay. So this is this is the next year's Super Bowl. So the Reds, the then Redskins are trying to go back-to-back. I have a question for you. Go I'm ahead. genuine about this because I was not around. I wasn't even born yet. Yeah. But I know history. Yeah. So that year where Washington won the Super Bowl, do you remember something about that season? 1983? 82-82 <laughs> because I just heard you about two hours ago, very Jack Assery, yeah. refer to a COVID season as not really a season. Yeah, but I was So 12. why was that? Why well, is this real? But, dude, I was 12. So it's based on age. My, my fandom was, like, immature. So it's based on immaturity and age. Yes. Okay, so if you're 12 years old right now listening to this show. But a 12-year-old is not listening to this show. A 15-year-old is. They were 12 at the time. <laughs> we're very popular with 15-year-olds. Okay. No, I've seen the data. Um <laughs> 2020 is real. 2021 is all real. Yeah, of course okay. it is. I'm just making sure. Of course it is. Because I want to call people out on that. I don't right. like that. But I'm not 15. So right? you're saying for kids it's okay, but for adults we have to acknowledge it was fake? Well, I, I think... So the, if you were, I if you were con- 40 and 82, okay. that wasn't a real I season. I think the context of that season, as it pertains to the Lakers, is what is what drives you crazy. Because the Lakers had proven that their stars were not going to play an entire season. We had seen it. Year after year after year. LeBron James, after having like a decade plus of 
invincibility. Mm-hmm. He was Superman, finally started to feel kryptonite. Like, he was hurt a I lot. And the pandemic comes. It shuts down the season, and n- nobody's playing. Nah. And LeBron James and AD, they chill, they rest, they go into the bubble, and then they're dominant. It's like restarting the season again. Yeah, well, that's what you did in 1982. You restarted yeah, the season after a strike. But yeah, okay, you were 12, it's different. Football's different. No, no, it's, it's not the, It's not the sport. It's the fact that you're admitting, and I respect that you're admitting this, I was a kid, I'm biased. Right. That's okay. You're a kid, you're biased. Yeah. I just think it, And it, as an adult, I'm discerning. And I can see the details. Ah. I can see the minutiae. So if you were 40 in 1982, the Washington Redskins at the time did not really win the Super Bowl. Of it was fake. They won oh, the it was Super a fake, Bowl. It was a fake year. I didn't say it was a fake It was a fake postseason. It was, it was a fake a, season. They played was, nine it was, games. It, it was a... It was a... <laughs> it was... There were conditions that allowed them <laughs> to have the advantage. <laughs> okay. Right? <laughs> I do this... By the way, I do this with baseball fans, too, with 1981. Was that really a season? Mm. No, but we... Enough to... And here's my overall point. I'll bring it back together. In 20 years, we will look at 2020 as legitimate. And that's my point. When time goes by, we will just think, oh, the Dodgers won the World Series. Oh, the Lakers won the NBA. Like, we will just accept it Mm -hmm. the way you just casually accepted that in 1982, the Washington then Redskins won the Super Bowl. Yes. And by the way, I do... And by the way, it just... The reason it it matters is because that was the beginning of my football fandom. No, I get it. There's also something else. Um... That's what their team name was back then. And the reason I say then is because the NFL is under major fire. Because on social media, they were respecting their history and, like, blacked out the the Washington logo and referred to them as the Commanders in the Super Bowl. The Commanders! But they just weren't. That's like calling the Brooklyn Nets. It's calling the New Jersey. I'll give you one that's less offensive. Right. The New Jersey Nets went to the finals, not the Brooklyn Nets. Right. So, it's like, I mean? so it'd be like saying now, oh, back in, what year was that? 98? 99, right? The Brooklyn Nets. Went oh, two, to- oh, three. O two and O three, just to be fair. Right. So the O two O two New Jersey Nets. Yes. It would be like calling them the O two Brooklyn Nets. Yes. Went to the NBA finals. Like we get why they changed the name, and I'm not arguing that, but we have to understand that that's not who they were. We can't call them by a different name. Yeah. I just like same thing with the Guardians. Like they weren't the Guardians when they choked all those World Series. They right. were the Cleveland Indians. We'll yeah. never look back at the Cubs Guardians World Series. No, we can't. We can't. Right. And I don't think that's being offensive. I'm not trying to be offensive to yeah, anybody. I'm just, just understanding that that's what it was. It's changing history. Yeah, we can't change history. We got to at least refer to it that way. But anyhow, um, the whole point is your Super Bowl as a kid fake. Yeah. It, do- it doesn't count. Right. And that's by the, the way, that was that was the Washington then Redskins chance to become a dynasty because they won one four years later. Right. But I don't know if that fits. No, no repeat. Got to win back no, to back. No, no, no. Oh, okay. No, no, no. They would have won back to back. So three in six years. So it had been three and what's he one two. Three, four, five, six years. Three and six years. Is core, that dynasty? Core of the team the same, quarterback the same? Uh, not really. Because <laughs> it, no. was, it was Theisman, and then Theisman was gone. Nope. It was Jay Schrader. Then but, doesn't count. But you know what's funny with dynasties? So the Kansas City Chiefs obviously have a chance to win a back-to-back Super Bowl. Really, really cool accomplishment. Plus yeah. they won in 19, plus they were in the Super Bowl in 2020. So that's four Super Bowls in five years. They have a chance to win three. Their roster is not the same as it was four years ago. Like, that's just the modern the NFL. And it's the same thing with the Patriots. Like, look at all the changes over the years between well, the, the one one. The quarterback was the same. The quarterback and the coach are the same. But is yeah. that everything? Like, I, I, a wise man once told me you have to build a team ass first. Well, if the ass is different, yeah. then is it really a dynasty if it's a different team? Yeah. Kelsey and Chris Jones are still big parts of that ass. Core four. I, I get you, but what's that cutoff? Like, how different can the team be? 
Look at the Astros, by the way. I'll give them as an example because they didn't win the back-to-back World Series, but their roster today, Jordan Alvarez wasn't on the 2017 mm-hmm. team. Kyle Tucker wasn't on that team. Framber Valdez, but it's the Astros, and because of Jose Altuve. Jose Altuve. You were ready. That was very impressive. <laughs> They're the same. But in the NFL, like, rosters change. Look how yeah. different the Niners are. Yeah, very. Quarterback, different. Everything is different. Running backs are different. I mean, Debo wasn't there. Kittle. Was Kittle? In the last Super Bowl? Kittle played in that game. Yeah, yeah Kittle was yeah. there. Right. Christian McCaffrey Because he said afterwards, I'll be back. We'll be back. Yeah, it took yeah, him Kittle five played. years, but he got back. <laughs> Let's go to, well, he got back. I give him credit. Let's go to Lee on Long Island. How are you, Lee? What's going on, guys? What's Great up? show. Love listening to guys my way home. Appreciate it. This is uh, a question for Evan. Um, I know it's slightly hockey-related, but I think you'll understand it. As an Islander fan, I mean, we were all devastated when John Tavares said, don't trade me, don't trade me, please don't trade yeah. me. Yeah. And ultimately ended up leaving. Mm-hmm. Knowing that Alonzo is a Scott Forrest client, do you think that he has that same affinity where he could possibly go down that same route of don't trade me, don't trade me, and could ultimately end up leaving for the most money available in free agency? But here's the difference, and, and, and there is a big difference between John Tavares and Pete Alonzo in this regard. There was only so much the Islanders could offer. The Islanders gave him the most they could offer. And at that point, you're helpless. Like, you make your max offer, you hope for the best. That's not the case in baseball. So where I will be frustrated, I can't speak for everybody, but certainly with me, it's going to be, you're Steve Cohen. You can't be outbid. And anyone who breaks down the analytics or he's not worth this or he's not worth that, then you've missed the point of Steve Cohen. Like, I get it. Sometimes you make business decisions that, you know, when you really break it down, maybe it's not the smartest take based on the stats. But you've got a billionaire owner. And I thought a part of having a billionaire owner is you'll never be outbid for your guy. You'll never (laughs) let that happen. Well, I think the, 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 the only thing that we don't know is whether or not they still really want him. But that's where I'll be annoyed, and that's yeah. the difference between John Tavares and Pete Alonso. Yeah. If he leaves because the Mets are outbid, my anger won't be at Scott Boris. My anger won't be at Pete Alonso. My anger will be at Steve Cohen. Yeah, but and it'll it, be, what will we sold? I, I, so the, ch- the challenge will then become, we'll never know what Pete th- thought. Well, do, we right. have the same thing with DeGrom, yet yeah. people have already formulated what you right. think he that's, thought. That's what I mean. Like, and the we, truth like, is, the Mets weren't even close to bidding on we'll DeGrom. only speculate unless he comes out explicitly and says, I didn't want to be here. Right, which he never did. No. And by the way, that's accepted now amongst Mets fans. Well, Jacob DeGrom never wanted to be here, when the reality is, again, Mets made the right decision. I'll give him that. The Mets weren't even in the ballpark of outbidding the Texas Rangers. No. I can't well, have that didn't, happen they didn't. I don't know if they even tried, though. That's that's the problem. They tried on a short-term deal. That's what they tried on. Yeah. And their attitude was, and maybe it's the same attitude with Pete, if we can get him back on this deal, we'll do it. If it's not, we won't do it. And that's why... Look, John Tavares leaving is still a scarring experience, even though the Islanders ended up better off. Like, we now have history to tell us they went to -to back-to-back conference finals. Mm -hmm. Like, the facts are the facts. Like, that franchise, this franchise had not won a lot. They won one round. They finally did it with JT, and he did get the game-winning goal. Like, I was there in the building. I respect it and appreciate it. But they did more when he was gone. I understand that could happen with Pete Alonso. I understand that could happen with anybody. But the Islanders, at the end of the day, could only do so much to keep him. That's not the case with the Mets and Yeah, because they have the money. It's just whatever they have the desire. One minor, minor correction. The Islanders didn't go to back-to-back conference finals. 
They went back-to-back Final Fours. There was one year. There were three East teams. See, now you're being a douche, and it's pissing me off. I'm just saying it's not the I final. understand that it was different in the bubble. I guess. This is actually the year after the That's bubble. right, the year mm-hmm. after. They got to the conference finals, okay? Well, we how do you determine it? who made it when because three teams in the East that, made it? Were they in the same round? They were in that round. Against the point. same freaking team. Against the same, but the Canadians were in it. They're in the East. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose it. <laughs> just Tiki, telling you, I'm Tiki, just being. I get it. Right. I knew it. I understand it. I experienced it. I'm telling you that that's stupid. It doesn't matter. They got to the. Se- okay, I'm gonna make him better. Go ahead. He wants to be a hockey douche. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I respect that. He wants to be a hockey douche. Come yes. on, I waited till five eighteen to be a douche today. Let that's me fine. Be, uh, not just douche. Hockey douche. Yes. It's specific. They got to the semifinals in two years in a row. I I accept your answer. I understand the NHL did the Fugazi changing of things. We would have played the Canadians in the Stanley Cup final. It was weird. But I, I'm just saying, if 10 minutes ago you're going to press Tiki on why his team didn't really win a Super Bowl when he was a kid, you can't be touting he went to back-to-back conference finals. So, they the went way, to the, back-to-back but, conference finals. They went to the same round two years in a row. But yes, it was called different. Yes, it was realigned differently. Did they get to the same round two years in a row? Yeah, they got to the semifinals. I'll pre- okay. I'll, I'll how'd, you, pre- how'd, you, how'd you guys do last year? The Rangers had a chance to go to back-to-back semifinals. How'd they do? I forgot. How'd you do? Did you get back there? Well, we should have swept, and we didn't. Did you get smoked in the first round after having a 2-0 lead? I'm I sorry. Mean, I can't remember. I, I wouldn't call going to Game 7 smoked, but, you know. Well, you were up 2-0, and you were celebrating, all of you. How'd you do? We lost, that. You want to be a hockey douche? I'll be a hockey douche. Yeah. You know why we lost, Evan? Because, oh, because we're New Yorkers and we always lose. Okay? That's why. Don't, don't hit me with the soft spot. Just saying. We all suck. We're all in this together. And it's a question of who sucks life. Right. We're all a bunch of losers. By the way, you remember the... Uh, we were talking about the then Redskins. Oh, where did you want rabbit hole? Right. What? What? Both, both of their Super Bowls were strike seasons. Oh, uh, yeah, that's 87, true. Too. 87 as well. But in 87, they used replacement players, I and know. there were results with the replacement players. And you want to go one more down loser memory board? What's the ahead? Devils won a cup, and the Knicks made a finals on strike shortened seasons, too. So we, when we even get different, there. Different, different, mm. different. I they played a lot more games, I guess. No it. one remembers those regular seasons. No. It's, it's funny, but in the NBA and the NHL, don't matter. Right. It matters far but less. But when you play 16 games, all of a sudden you're playing nine? Yep. Or what was it? Fifteen? It was nine in uh, nineteen eighty-two. I know, but what was it? The fifteen. Fifteen. So yeah, that yeah. was only one. But it wasn't just the fifteen. They played a bunch of games with the replacement right. players. Right. <laughs> that was the other problem. I was just looking at the replacement player rosters. Yeah. Oh no, it's crazy. <laughs> we'll get back to your calls in a second. Plus, Tiki Barber blames Tom Thibodeau for all the Nick injuries. I think he's being really, really mean. But I will stand up for you, Nick fans. Don't you worry. Evan and Tiki here on the fan on this beautiful Wednesday. Tomorrow, coming up at 4 o'clock, Sean will get to make a big show decision because he beat me in pickleball. Looking forward to that, plus the return of bad Tiki. And plus, we're another day closer to the Super Bowl, which is very exciting. Kansas City, San Francisco, the rematch. By the way, uh, you were mocking the Lakers, saying they didn't really win an NBA title. I just read within the last 10 minutes, Anthony Davis, quote, we were running through that league. We were going to win anyway. So he's already out there attacking back at Tiki Barber, saying we would have won the NBA title anyway. Maybe they would have. Maybe they would have. But attrition has a way of cowarding all of us. Yes, it does. Speaking of attrition, uh, we started the show this way about four hours ago, three hours ago. Obviously, we're waiting word on Jalen Brunson, who injured his ankle last night at Madison Square Garden. It was very, very scary. looked like he turned it. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't leave in a boot. Didn't leave limping horribly, like yeah. a slight limp. Yeah, it so wasn't this... crying either. It just kind of like took his shoe off. Like He's like, hold on. Let me readjust my shoe. That's right. So it, it's encouraging. It was encouraging that it isn't going to be catastrophic, but he may miss time. So obviously we're waiting word from the Knicks on, does he play tomorrow night against the Dallas Mavericks? Does he play over the weekend? 
But Tiki thinks this is all Tom Thibodeau's fault. He works his guys too hard. He shouldn't have been in the game up 20. You you put luck against you when you grind during the regular season. I know the games matter because you obviously need to be – you want to host, right? You, want, you don't want to be traveling, and you, the last thing you want to do is be anywhere close to the play-in tournament because we know what happens. You want the highest seed possible. Right, you yes. want the highest seed possible. So winning regular season games is the way to get there. But the the league has turned into a we need to protect our star. And the reason is because in order to win a championship, you have to have a top-five player. You just go back and look at the history of NBA champions from Denver to the gold to the Golden State Warriors to uh, the, you know, the who won it before them the the Toronto Toronto yeah with Kawhi Leonard Milwaukee, Milwaukee Bucks yeah. right then Golden State again even Cleveland like all those teams had top five players now the Knicks I'm not saying have a top five player but Jalen Brunson was working his way towards being one and now if he's out like like statistically and like empirically, it just doesn't look like they're a team that can win if he's not healthy. Well, we all know Jalen has to be healthy, but what do you want to do? You want to baby him? You no, want to create maintenance But days? I do want to have some days where he's not required to grind for 43 minutes and score you know, 35 points well, in order for this team to win. Unfortunately, right now, with them being banged up, that's what they need from Okay, him. so Leon Rose needs to protect his coach to help him protect well, his players. they've got less than 24 hours now to add additions to this roster. And look, sometimes injuries can be a blessing in disguise. The Knicks are going to have a tough time winning games if Jalen sits until the All-Star mm-hmm. break, which luckily is only four games. They may well go 0-4. That's not going to bury them. They could still get a top-four seed in the Eastern Conference, and maybe they steal a game or two. But Jalen Brunson getting that rest, it's a good thing. Right. You know, that's, that's a and positive it was coming thing. anyways because, well, I mean, what, I don't know. Would it have come if he Yeah, because the All-Star break. You have eight days off, and even though you're playing in an All-Star game, it's an All-Star game. Yeah, and you're chilling. Right? You're not... You're not grinding like you are. You're not traveling as much. Like it's just you get a chance to chill I even if you are at the All-Star. There game. are certain players in this league that don't need maintenance days. There mm-hmm. are guys that do. Like down in Philadelphia, I'm sure our former PD Spike Eskin will talk all about this. Joel Embiid is built to be a maintenance day guy. He just is. Well, physically, he's that. He's got that that body that needs the rest. Well, he's also never healthy. True. Like you're waiting for Joel to get hurt, and unfortunately for him, he did get no, hurt. No, he's one of those guys that came into the league. It's like I mean, they say this in every sport, but it's particular in the NBA. If you come in hurt, you're likely going to stay. Right. Hurt. And that's been the story of his NBA career. Yep. He's a great player when he plays. He's unreliable to stay healthy, especially during the postseason. You know, Joel Embiid has missed a playoff game in every year he's been in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's a true story. So I get it with Joel Embiid. Hey, that guy needs maintenance days. Jalen Brunson doesn't need maintenance days. What happened last night was bad luck. That's what happened. Yeah. Yes, he was in a game with a 20-point lead with eight minutes to go, but you know what? But that's what makes it that's what makes it bad. So if it happened in the second quarter, it was, it okay was against a terrible Grizzlies team, and it was in the in the end of the game with with a 20-point lead or whatever. It turned well, out when he got hurt, it's funny. So it's, it's crazy how this works out. Right. They're up 20. Right. They go back to Jalen Brunson. Yeah. The Knicks then watch uh, Memphis make a run to cut it to eight. Right. And now there's about four and a half minutes to go in the game. Right. Would they have seven three-pointers? Yeah. (laughs) That's when he got hurt. So when he got hurt, the game was actually getting close. Right. Right. So why even put him back in there? So this is revisionist, and I I admit that. But why even put him in there first place? Because you don't know the lead's going to go from 20 to eight. Well... Okay, but if it's if it's going to do anything other than that, which is likely to stabilize, you don't need them. Yeah, but you don't know that. 
I mean, you don't know that. I know you don't. Look, I have many questions about Tom Thibodeau, and we will address them as the weeks go on, marching towards the playoffs. My skepticism on him, the fact that I find it completely hypocritical of Nick fans to mock Glenn Rivers and then say, but I got Tom Thibodeau, as if Tom Thibodeau has accomplished more in the postseason he hasn't. Otherwise known as Doc. Okay, but he's not a doctor anymore. I know, but you keep saying Glenn Rivers, and every time you say it, I'm like, who the hell are you talking about? Does that bother you? No, it doesn't. Does that bother you, Lugie? No, I love the shit. I'm sure people are like, who? Huh? He lost his doctorate. (laughs) Whatever. You blow through one lead, you lose your doc. My point is, yes, there are questions about Tom Thimido come postseason time. I do not question these injuries being his fault. And again, for the most part, I'm with you. Because I like the fact that he grinds his guys because it's old school. It's yeah. kind of how I'd want to do it. But when it when there's a major rash of injuries, and I don't, I'm not saying it's all because of playing time and grinding 43 minutes a game. But one is okay. Two becomes a coincidence. Three, something else is wrong. Let's go to Jim in Elmont, New York. What's up, Jim? Good evening, guys. Uh, earlier, you were talking about um, how Sean has a major show decision coming up tomorrow. Yes. And you were throwing around just how other people would judge it, right? Yes. <laughs> My thing is that the, the main person who I would go to, like a guy like Mark Chernoff, who actually would put Sean on the short list for programs. I know. We uh, heard that the much, other day. Yeah. Right? How much he admires his humor and his uh, talent. And, and, and this month, it's been a great month for the show, number one. You, Tiki, Tommy, him, he's, a, he's an integral part to it. And I would say also, the last month for Sean, he had one of someone he admires the most, someone that Susan Waldman oh. actually gave him kudos uh, for right. one of his monologues. That's and right. it meant a lot to him. Probably one of the moments in his life he got a little emotional. Because if I'm going to comedy, someone who judges it, who I would go to, Susan Waldman to me in the comedic world has a little, has a little something there. <laughs> okay. Now, I, I'm going to give you something. Did you know, and Sean might know this, Back in the day, in the younger days, Susan was part of a comedy duo. Susan Waldman and Joanne O'Brien. They had a comedy team many, what? many years ago. Yeah. And Tiki, <laughs> go down a rabbit hole. Right, comedy right, comedy duo. Listen, comedy duo. They were the first female team to do Abbott what? Costello's Who's On First. It might be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And here's how it kind of went. <laughs> Who's on first? Who's on first? It's Johnny Who. Johnny Who, who plays for the Cleveland Indians before he got traded to the Dodgers. His favorite pregame meal was applesauce. You, you, you can look this up. <laughs> I don't know. All right, thank you, Jim. I, yeah, Tiki, are you down the rabbit hole yet to find I'm that if Susan Wallman was in a comedy team? Yeah, I'm looking up. I don't see it. But, <laughs> Shocker. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna look. The only reason why I thought for a second maybe it's true is that Susan's a, like a Broadway well, singer. Who, who was the so, who was the girl he said? I missed it. I missed like something Joe O'Brien. O'Brien, O'Brien or Yeah, like Judy Conan O'Brien. Conan O'Brien no, or something. Not Conan. <laughs> Judy O'Brien. Susan's very, very talented, and Susan is a singer. Like we know that. Yes. She's done the national anthem, she's done Broadway. Mm-hmm. So the talent level makes me think it could be possible. Could be mm. possible. What was his point, though, to this whole thing? I thought he was going to, like, guess what Sean's big show decision Well, he was is. saying that that Sean was becoming the new PD because... That's you, not his show because decision. Because you would like it. I I like it. Loogie would hate it. Right. And Keith would probably hate oh, you, it. Yeah, you said Keith would hate it. You guys are way over You Alex said Martin. you weren't sure about Brandon, but you think Sal would hate it. Yes. And so, wait, hold on. Let, let's just get this out there before tomorrow at 4 o'clock. <laughs> His show decision is not that he's a program director. 
No, he doesn't have the power uh, to make you. a I show like decision, not a station. Why no. would you want to be the program director anyway? <laughs> more, more money, Luke. <laughs> the program director's leaving to go be an on-air talent. What does that tell you? <laughs> well, it tells us it's he's more an fun idiot. being on the air. It tells us he's a moron. <laughs> That's what it tells ah. us. And he's the current program director. You call him the former program director. Well, I mean, he basically is. Well, he's still the boss. You know why I think he's the former program director? I'm going to tell you why. Because we haven't yeah. seen him in four days. <laughs> Come on. What you, stop. He was in Vegas, to Not, be fair. Oh, oh, he was in Vegas. Yes. Fine. That's fair enough because it was part what's of the he, job. What's he in Vegas for? For the Super, for the Super Bowl. Bowl. He wanted to make sure Boomer and Geo took off carefully and everything was a success. Oh, you mean their show that's on at four in the morning? Yeah, that show. <laughs> Three in the morning, actually. The one whose uh, producer accidentally booked the wrong Randy Moss. <laughs> Easy mistake. Anyone can make it. But here's why Spike's not the PD. I got information. Yeah. I got some interesting information. Oh, really? Let's tomorrow hear. is a big day. Why is tomorrow a big day, you ask? Tomorrow's making a big, his decision? Tomorrow, Sean's making a big show decision. Tomorrow, Bantiki is on the show. But also, there's another reason why tomorrow's a big day. Right. It's the NBA trade deadline. Oh. 3 p.m. Eastern. 3 p.m. Eastern time. And right here in New York City, where there's a basketball team with maybe some title hopes, you would think he'd be around and he'd be available. I've got sources that are telling me our program director ain't going to be here tomorrow. What? He's going to be in a city that doesn't have a team that can win an NBA championship because maybe their best player can't walk and right currently now. three games behind our team. <laughs> right. That has hopes for an NBA championship. I heard that Spike is going to be helping out around the trade deadline at WIP in Philly, and he ain't going to be here. So when you ask me, why do I call him the program director? Because he checked out already. The former program director. The former program director. Because he's gone. And by the way, Spike, I want you to think about this. And even though we share our Nick Hayton common, you left New York to go to Philly. Mm. They got less of a chance of winning a title than this. with Joel Embiid opting for surgery and being reevaluated in three weeks. (laughs) By the way, you know, so here's the funny thing about Joel Embiid. At first, the reports were he needs surgery. And then once he had it, go down this rabbit hole. Adrian Wojnarowski, Sham Sharnia, all these guys stopped calling it surgery. They called it a procedure. Mm. It was almost like, oh, no, we can't use surgery. That word's too dirty. Right. We're going to call it a procedure, as if that's going to make Philly fans. <laughs> uh, all right. Ian Begley has a tweet. We have a Jalen update? Yes, and then some. Oh, good. Go ahead. Okay, first. Knicks are just simply listing Jalen Brunson as questionable with an ankle sprain. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right? That's good. The other part of this, OG Ananobi is again out, but with an actual injury, with a bone spur irritation in his right elbow. What yeah. the hell is that? Well, I don't know what it is, but it's the first time we've gotten exactly what's going on. So right. what's that? What's a bone spur irritation in your elbow? So what were they, by, by the way, before you answer, what were they calling it previously again? Elbow inflammation. Right. Okay, so we went from elbow inflammation or whatever you just said. So I can speak to this because I have a bone spur in my knee. So what? So he probably has, for whatever reason, a loosened joint. So the the capsule's loose, so it moves. So there's laxity in his joint, mm-hmm. like it can hyperextend. And when that happens, your body naturally tries to create things to protect itself. So burns, bone spurs start to develop. The problem with bone spurs is one, they can break, and then you have this irritating. You know, body floating around, around or in the joint. Sometimes it, it like locks, right? Or, or it's rubbing into the cartilage, and and like slowly ripping and tearing cartilage. Oof. And if that happens, you get inflammation. So they probably just said, "Let's treat it," and then they got a film on it, MRI or whatever, and then they saw what this issue was. So 
it might require a procedure. Oh God, or, a procedure or surgery? Uh, procedure, because uh-huh. it's just, it's awkward. It's in and out. It's it's the same day. It take you know thirty minutes, uh-huh. right? But I, I I hope not, because once you cut somebody open. There's always problems that come forward. So what's the time? We still don't have a timetable on this. We don't. We all we don't. are for the Knicks. Dep- are forcing it depends us. on if there's a procedure. Gotcha. The if Knicks there's are a procedure, it'll be like two or three weeks. If there's not, it could be a couple of days. Could be a couple of days. Right. Knicks are forcing us to become like experts, like to be right. WebMD experts. I, I did a little WebMD on this. Okay. It says, uh, when you have this type of injury, surgery could be needed, but minor. It may take several days to a few weeks for you to feel better with this. Yes. Oh, so surgery wouldn't even knock you out for a significant no, period no, of time. No, it'd be more of like a clean It's a procedure. Gotcha. That's exactly what I just said. Sean just wasn't listening. He was no, trying I, to go I, I was, It's like a colonoscopy. He's forgetting that I was a professional athlete and got <laughs> beat up for a living. <laughs> but, you know, I'm a professional WebMDer. So. <laughs> well, that's what the Knicks are forcing us to do. They're forcing all Knicks fans to become <laughs> WebMDers. Uh, back to the Brunson thing. That definitely is a nice sign. That yeah. it's an ankle sprain, which you knew, and that they're not even ruling him out. So yeah. maybe he warms up tomorrow, and they see, is it worth giving it a try? I'll tell you right now, as much as you want to beat Dallas, I want you to beat Dallas. I can't stand them. Um, you got to be smart. Like, this is where I would agree with you about being smart. You know, when a guy's not hurt, like, you can't coach being afraid. You can't coach thinking, what if this guy gets hurt? Right. But now he is hurt. Now there is an injury. And I think that with an ankle sprain and the minute – that he logs, and yep. we know that Tom Thibodeau would put him out there, and he'd play a lot. You got to be smart about it. And even if the Knicks make a trade tomorrow, that guy's not walking through that door tomorrow night. That's more for a few days from now. So they'll be shorthanded tomorrow against Dallas. And if they're without Jalen Brunson, it's just not the end of the world. Like the beauty of this streak that they've been on, where it's what is it overall? Sixteen out of nineteen, something of that nature. By the way, not even the hottest team in the NBA. Yeah, Cleveland out of nineteen. Yeah. yeah. Cleveland Cavaliers are. Yep, sure are. But it's funny, all of us, myself included, we're all skeptical. Yeah. Because the Knicks, so, it's not that they beat them last year. It's that they bitched them last year. <laughs> you Cavs know are mean? soft, or at least last year they were. Like, they pushed them around. Uh-huh. It's one thing to beat a team. It's another thing to look into their eyes and say, you're soft. Specifically Mobley and Jared Allen. No doubt. Like, two big softies. I admit mm-hmm. that. I, I, and I love Jared. You know how I feel about him. So... As well as Cleveland's playing, there's that little smirk of, oh, okay, that's cute. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Now, by the way, the rest of the league feels that way about the Knicks. Like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> They're fine. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I don't know how scared they are. Do you think this run by Cleveland makes Donovan want to stay there? I think the Donovan Mitchell thing is so overblown. Like, he's not being traded by tomorrow. Right. No. He's going to be on Cleveland uh-huh. this year. Definitely. And I think how things go in the postseason will help dictate what the Cavaliers decide to do long term. And I love Donovan Mitchell. I really do. I've always admired him from afar. I think he's an awesome dude. He's obviously a Met fan, and I'm biased. But I have to ask a question. If you want to win, mm-hmm. like that's what you want, why the hell are you trying to leave Cleveland? You're in a great spot. Yeah. Like you're a good young team. Right. So if you're leaving the angle to go to New York or L.A., whether it's my team, your team, or the Lakers, why are you doing it? Well, And it's not like other stars that have bounced because they just couldn't win where they were. I think about LeBron. Mm. Just try after try after try. It's never going to happen here. I'm going to Miami. You look at KD. You try after try. They move to OKC. Try after try. You get close, but I'm going to Golden State. Right. That's not that's not Donovan's situation. You know what it would be though. And and by the way, maybe you respect this. It would be Donovan Mitchell saying, "I don't live there." Like I don't think it'd be any more complicated than I am from Connecticut. Yeah. I'm a Met fan. I want to live in Queens and commute. Like, I think it's as simple as that. And, and 
a part of me says, well, shouldn't you try to win? But then the other part of me says, eh, it's way of life. Right. He'd rather be, like, who doesn't want to live in New York? I love New York. That's my home. Like, I respect that. Why he'd want to go to L.A. is beyond me. That's a dump. I hate L.A. I think it's the most overrated city in America. Traffic. That's one example, yes. Smog. The mm-hmm. people are completely fake. Everything's a million miles away from each other. they're paid other. to be fake. They're all but, actors. Everybody? Or they want to be. I love that. <laughs> they're paid to be fake. Everything about them is fake, including their lips. It's true. <laughs> No, you look at them, you don't know what's real. No, I agree with you. They're paid to be actors. So that's supposed to make it okay? No, it just is. Dude, if I did a Cinco de Five O, a Cinco de Evo of the five worst cities in America, LA's in the top five. And there's a risk that it's going to fall off the continental United States. But that's okay. Like, that's fine. As long as we tell everybody and they can leave first. Yes. Like, who the hell would miss it? Won't we disappear one day? Manhattan's an island. Mm, but we have, we're bedrocked. <laughs> What are well, we, the Flintstones? Yeah, I don't know about that. We don't have, we don't have uh, earthquakes. Ah, see, we don't have earthquakes. We don't have major earthquakes. There was an earthquake in Astoria the other day. Not really? a big one. Uh-huh. Yeah, but uh-huh. if it's not above not a three, it doesn't count. I, I, I agree with you. Like, LA's it? waiting for the big one. Yes. But we're close enough to Nova Scotia. What if those glaciers keep melting? What's that going to do? Keeps flooding the water down, and then it comes What do you know about back? Nova Scotia? You don't know. Nova Scotia. Scotia. It's cold. My, one of my favorite parts of Epcot is they had a thing called Canada 360. Yeah, I learned all about Canada. Very nice place. The only problem with Canada 360 at Epcot Center is they made you stand the entire time. I wanted to sit down. Like, I'm tired, you know? There's a chair shortage in Canada. <laughs> Must be. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places.